Welcome everybody to episode 112. Our friend Chris is off on a cross-country adventure right now, so it's just Bill and myself, Kelsey, with you today. How's it going, Ooh. Bill? It's going great. I, so I, I, I heard, I don't know if this is unconfirmed, that it was similar to The Last Starfighter, but only with Pickleball, where Chris <laughs> was so skilled in Pickleball that Centauri came down to play space and said, we need now. you in the space pickleball against it's, Zer and the Kodan Armada. It's like that game in Ender's Game where they're like in yeah. the room <laughs> Yeah, so I wish Chris the best of luck. Uh, we miss you, bud. And uh, we're, uh, we'll be glad to have you back. But yeah, it's just... Uh, it's like the when... inverse of Ender's Game though. Instead of everyone being like 10, it's like everybody's got like 10 months left to live and then yeah. they're, they're so old. It's reverse. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Uno reverse card gets you every time. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Bill and I are going to have a chat today about selling games and what that's like in 2023. But before we get into that, um, I would like to thank our patrons. Um, as usual, they, they support the show and help us uh, upgrade our equipment uh, with the funds they supply us with. Uh, if you would like to become a patron and support the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash collectorcast. Uh, and that gives you access to the Discord as well, which uh, we have pretty pretty good chats uh, about all sorts of stuff we've got movie channel obviously gaming stuff we got a, a pretty active lego group in there now it's pretty sweet whenever there's new sets announced like uh i love having uh uh tony being our, our point person in there like uh yo new news and i was like ooh. <laughs> so i and it's it's cool because when i was like more you know involved in in lego stuff i would kind of see about this stuff you know I would be going to Jay's Brick Blog and Brickaholics and like all these different like <laughs> Lego fan sites every day. So I'd kind of know. And like now, since I've kind of settled down just a little bit and I'm I'm just kind of focused on Star Wars Lego and like really not a whole lot else. I just kind of wait for the news to hit me. So I found out about the new helmets uh, on the Discord and I was like, oh, because there's a bunch of helmets that we kind of expected would happen. Like the 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 first two, I saw the clone troopers, and I'm like, well, of course, you know, they got to get, you know, clone troopers, bad batch, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But when I saw that Leia helmet, that was totally not one I expected. So very very cool. Yeah, I don't follow Lego as closely as you guys, so I like just seeing what's out there now and mm -hmm. see if there's uh, something I need to to plop some cash down for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Bill wanted to shout out some of our like uh, partner shows. Yeah, uh, so these are uh, 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 some of these are friends of ours. Uh, some of these are just uh, things we like listening to. So uh, I'd like to give a shout out again to our friends Pam and Michelle who do the uh, Point and Drink Adventure, which is exactly what it sounds like. They share a drink usually remotely because they don't live in the same uh, city. And they talk about the uh, games and uh, media they consume, movies, music, uh, you know, vinyl, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's a great show. So uh, that's Point and Drink Adventure. And then there's our buddies, uh, uh, The Single Banana and uh, Sean Gregos 81. Today is actually uh, The Single Banana's birthday we are recording on. So happy birthday Almost again. Almost old enough to join the Pickleball Academy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a couple, couple more years of practice. But uh, his, his son, the prodigy, I'm sure he's uh, been training Chris for uh, – <laughs> For the, uh, the the upcoming playoffs there, uh, but yeah, so uh, the the press playcast, uh, which we are anxiously awaiting uh, a new episode, um, and Sean's been uh, uh, been uh, talking on the Discord with um, I think uh, Disposed was uh, doing some traveling up in uh, Rich's neck of the woods, you know, roughly Rich's neck of the woods. So 
be really cool to see where people land because there's uh you know friends of ours that are kind of looking for uh new uh stomping grounds right now so uh might be uh might be a cool to uh visit uh the nc with like a whole bunch of uh of our buddies there eventually um so speaking of uh, uh sean gray ghost he's uh started another show called two lps in a pod and if you ever listened to the press Playcast and you said man i wish they'd talked more about music and less about video games <laughs> this is something you're going to want to check out uh, i've listened to the first episode it's uh, it's a lot of fun i i just like listening to sean talk about music so uh that's that's why i like that one and then our good buddies uh metal fro and addicted with the shoot the core cast for all your shmup needs uh, one that's completely unrelated to anyone we know, something I'm listening to just to give it a quick mention. As a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, uh, there's a podcast called uh, 33 with William Patrick Corgan, and it's uh, they're debuting a new song every week for 33 straight weeks. The all the new Does songs. Does he go by William album. Patrick now? I've never heard that. So he has always gone by Billy publicly, um, but uh, and he's not trying to change that. But they like the show is called. Uh, you know, 33 with William Patrick Corgan. And like the hashtag for the show is like 33 WPC. And they say that every show. They're like, oh, like use hashtag 33 WPC. And I've heard him speak regarding himself where he'll kind of be telling a story and he's like, now I'm not making it, you know, trying to sound like, oh, like, whoa, is me. Like, oh, poor Bill, you know, he's this. So like he calls himself Bill. He calls himself Billy. He calls himself William. So yeah, in the the public persona has always been Billy, but yeah, it is weird to hear him. But and he introduced and he'll say like, oh, "I'm your host, William Patrick Corgan." So, uh, but he still yeah. goes by Billy. Yeah, it's just a little little odd. But you know those guys who like metal and and Ozzy and Black Sabbath, they're just weird. It's so true. You can it's never true. trust them. So yeah, and that's uh, those are kind of some of the shows and things we've been, uh, uh, you know, that I've been listening to, and then maybe uh, give them a look. So yeah. Cool. So how did you like the format last week? Do you want to stick to like good games, movies, pickups, like all together again? Did you yeah, like that? I mean, yeah, it should be, uh, it should be cool. Cause we, I mean, and with, and with two of us, it'll, you know, it's, it's less of like a cycle to go around. Yeah. So, and as you can kind of see from my notes here, I uh, haven't been as busy on the, you know, gaming and movie and uh, up front, but uh, yeah, if you just want to go through, uh, we'll do both of our stuff we're playing, and then we can move on to watching and pickups and stuff like that. Let's do it. Um, what you been playing? So I have. Uh, I'm still playing Final Fantasy IV, and the version I'm playing is the PSP version, um, which right. has the uh, the the base, the, you know, the full game, the remake, uh, the after years, uh, you know, like the the whole the whole uh, shebang there. And uh, I haven't been playing it as much as i i was probably uh, before the last show um because of the next game that i'm going to mention but before i mention that um i I, and i said the last time i talked about final fantasy 4 you know the i I don't want to make it sound like i'm saying it's not a good game it is a good game but it's like you know they they i think i said before on the last show they can't all be final fantasy 6 they can't all be you know like all timers right so there are lots of things this game does that I think are really cool and interesting because it's part of the series. A lot of this stuff I've seen before and, you know, it's just, you know, reused because it works, but I'm also starting to notice, cause this is the earliest game in the uh, series that I've ever played. I'm starting to notice things that I haven't seen in any later final fantasy game. At least I can't remember seeing. You and haven't I played th- final fantasy one. Nope. 
Oh, okay. I just assumed nope. you had at some point. Interesting. No, okay. never, never played one on the NES. Never pl- and that so seven was the first one we ever played when we got it for Christmas with our PlayStation, along with Masters of Terras Kasi and NHL ninety uh, seven. Or sorry, 90, 98, 98. Yeah, it's honestly, it was one of the best Christmases. Um, and uh, and that's when we kind of went like backwards. Um, uh, sorry, it was seven, then eight. Then I think I was like curious in like, you know, the Super Nintendo, uh, you know, world of collecting. Like, oh, like I'll give. And I tried like, you know, Chrono Trigger and like Final Fantasy three. But I have never booted up Final Fantasy uh, uh, 2 on the American Super NES, which is, you know, uh, the uh, version four. 4 we got here. Yeah. So, yeah, 4 is the earliest in the series I've ever played. So, a couple things that I'm just kind of noticing that, that bug me are uh, the looking at the map is a, is a spell that costs MP to, to use. And I'm like... I've never seen this in a game before, and I was like, well, <laughs> probably because it didn't work, and, and you can just, they just let you look at a map from now on, if there is one. Um, and there's other things, like there's there's this mechanic where, uh, like a lot of times, you'll need a key item to proceed, and you'll have that key item, and you'll get to the guy, and like in future games, if you have that item, you talk to them, and they're like, whoa, you got the bear. And they're like, no, you need the Gabbard about to pass. And then it just brings up a screen with your whole inventory. And you just have to, <laughs> like, point to the Gabbard to And then he's like, oh, you've got it. And I'm like, well, that's, I mean, it's not the worst. But, like, you know, the, I, before I realized what they wanted me to do, I was like, what do you want, a potion? Like, are you hungry? Like, I didn't know, like, what they wanted me to do. So I can get into it a little more later because I'm going to talk a little bit about Metal Gear. But every Metal Gear game that drives me nuts switching key cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just I have the key card. Don't make me physically put it in front of you. Like just let me go in the door. Oh. Yeah. So so that's one. Um there's another where man, uh, limited inventory size. And there are there are games where I like limited inventory size where you have to think and you have to make decisions and stuff like that. But, you know, every time I go to, like, an armory shop or, you know, like, uh, to get new weapons or, like, whatever, um, I'll, I'll, it's like it gives me the green arrow up. Oh, this is better than what I have. Okay, better than what I have. Um, but it doesn't give me the stats on the page. So there could be three or four things that are up, but I don't know, well, yeah. like, how up it is. I've been leveling up so much I have so much money, so it's not really a big deal, but it's just annoying. But then the other thing is I'll buy the thing. And then I'll go to my guy in the menu and I just want to hit that optimize button. And it's like, sorry, bro, you can't optimize. Like, there's not enough room in your inventory to, like, unequip the stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude, but there will be enough once you put the other stuff on me, right? So can we just do, like, a, a flim flam? Like, can we just go? But you can't. So, you know, again, these are all petty little things. But they stick out enough where I'm like, man. Especially like, when there's a bunch of them, yeah. 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 So anyway, it's um, I'm farther in the game. I am not phenomenal with names of places. I and there's and I will say about this, a lot, similar to Final Fantasy VI, and 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 which is less similar to what I experienced in the later games in the series. A lot of things happen very quickly. Like there's you won't get to a place and spend six hours there. You'll get to a place and like immediately, this is what's going on. This person betrayed you this one this person's on your side now these three people died on your way there and this guy washed ashore and now here you are and it's like man that was like 30 seconds so there is a lot of like oh like you're you i, I know who you are you're the 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 
prince of this kingdom and then blah like that guy's dead but then like the next town you go to oh he's alive he's in this bed oh i'm so sorry about your daughter tella blah you know and like uh and then the two the two girls i think they're both girls um and porum and Palum or like something similar to that there's like the twins that like some other guy sends with you to like when you when you uh do your class change and i haven't joined... played this in 20 years i wish chris was here he has a better memory for that yeah for me. i think it's porum and Palum, and i remember because they're they're identical twins one has like her hair in a ponytail one has her hair like down and one is white magic and one is black magic um i don't know if i'd call them white mage black mage because they're not like they can do other stuff but like i remember i couldn't tell them i couldn't remember the name so i was like i i finally made my own mnemonic device where okay porum is like oh poor this person like they can't attack so i know porum is white <laughs> magic and then pollen is black magic but then you get to like the very next area and it's a very much a star wars sequence where like the walls are closing in and they're like okay like power rangers like we're gonna block this thing and then they are like they save you but like they're frozen and then it's like oh man like they're gone you know so there seems to be a lot of party fluidity in the in the in these earlier games so um yeah and then i uh so i'm just after that part and then you get into i forget what it's called but it's like the underwater pathway that gets you back to the city that you came from and then sid's in the party now so i have the airship and I feel like it's really early in the game for me to have an airship. I'm not like that far in and I can fly anywhere I want now. So I started just kind of flying around and seeing what I could do. Um, so yeah, uh, this, this is, uh, you know, so, and it's, um, again, since I'm playing on the steam deck uh, through the PSP emulation, it's kind of like when I'm at a place where I can, you know, play it for a little bit, like that's where it gets played. I, I try not to, you know, play it in bed or like, around the house so it's kind of like when the opportunity presents but uh yeah over, overall it's solid um just you know with its with its quirks and idiosyncrasies um yeah. the game that i've been putting the most time into because i i really 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 just wanted to finish it uh partially to talk about it on the show that we were planning on recording um last week and we just had to uh, push back just because of availability um but also because uh the show um, that we've been watching. I, I was not afraid it was going to get spoiled because Last of Us Part 2 is far beyond what the show has addressed so far. Um, but I just... I think I mentioned before that Last of Us 2, while it's a very good game and the story is beautiful and heartbreaking and gut-wrenching, um, but it's also one of these games that I don't feel good when I'm playing for, for many reasons, the gut-wrenching part of the story, but also just, like, the the tenseness, like, similar to the way that I would feel, like, when I try a Deep Space game, or, sorry, Dead Space game. Like, it might be good, it might be well-made, it might be something that's interesting, but, like, I don't like the way I feel when I play it, so, like, right. I, I, I have to, like, force myself to play it. Um, and really, it was like that for a little while, and I don't know when it changed, but something kind of it was probably me getting more comfortable with the combat and with knowing, you know, like when can I sneak? When can I not sneak? When should I engage? When should I not engage? And once I got more comfortable where I, cause the parts where I was not comfortable are the parts where I was not planning on engaging in combat. And I was like, Oh crap, I have to now. And now, now I'm scrambling. So it was probably just getting, you know, better at the game. Uh, but yeah, last of us part two, I did finish um, last week, like the day, 
the day before or the day after we were supposed to record. And it's one of these games that kind of like Lord of the Rings style, you think it's going, you think it's over and then there's more game. And this happened to me at least three times. And the first time it <laughs> happens, it's like, you're not even close. It's very much like uh, Symphony of the Night. If you uh, <laughs> if, just if flipped you do, everything upside down, man. Yeah. So it's not exactly that, but it's like as much game <laughs> is still there when you think it's going to be over. And I'm sorry if that's a spoiler, but it is several years old at this point. So um, I, I won't I won't get into any uh, uh, spoiler territory, but um, the the story's terrific and very very much like the end of the first game, which is phenomenal. There are segments in this game where you are doing things that you that I, mean, I don't know about you that I don't want to be doing and the game makes you do them like whether it's someone you're fighting and i'm like no i no <laughs> i don't want to do this um so uh when when you mentioned that this is one that's kind of been on your on your playlist on your stack for a mm -hmm. while i'm very very happy to uh have some more people to discuss this in depth with and maybe even do like a, a spoiler cast to show on um i can't remember have you played through the entire first game I have. Uh, it's been okay. a long time, but I have. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, story like they do a pretty good job recapping the story, like not in like a, a recap, like it's more like flashbacks. They'll kind of go back and you'll kind of see what happened. So mm -hmm. I don't think you'd need to go back and play the first game. It couldn't okay. hurt to watch like a five or 10 minute, you know, YouTube recap video if you want. But this game does a very good job reminding you of all the things that have happened before. Um, but yeah, I would love, love, love to do a spoiler cast on this one because it's extremely difficult to talk about anything in this game without spoilers story-wise. So really all you right. can talk about is the mechanics and it's, it's more stealthy than the first game because in the first game you mainly control a, a, a male character who's, you know, guns and, you know, brute strength. And in the second game, you mainly control um, female characters who are based more around stealth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the story, and it's like, I, I thought the first game had like a, an insane uh, story. I can't even begin to tell you how deep the story goes into and how far it goes and all of the pieces that it hits. And I remember that it got review bombed very early on, uh, like like really like before it was released, like when some kind of plot uh, uh, spoiler leaks came out. And I remember thinking, I wonder what people could be upset about. And I definitely know what they were upset about now. Yeah. And it's very similar to, to when I was watching Willow. Like, there are things that exist in the world that are in the game. And that's it. It's, it's you know, it's it's really not a big deal. And, and the review bombers, I'm just taking less and less. If they have a point, I get it. But, like, I I don't know if I've ever seen have them they ever, a point. Have, has the review bombing ever had a good point? I, I don't know. I don't I don't follow. Like, so, so like, imagine, like, imagine if, like, um um like uh someone owned a business and was awful to you know a certain type of people i like mm -hmm. that like that's you know something where you would it's deserved and it's accurate right and then this is the reverse of it i don't think a review bomb of like a tv show movie video game so let's let's specify that yeah. i don't yeah. think a media review bombing has ever been justified that i've that i've seen yeah. um but yeah absolutely love it and I don't want to get too, too much into this, but you guys in the Discord knew about my PlayStation um, hardware uh, troubles. So my PlayStation 5 has never had issues. Kids play it all the time. You know, no, no, nothing, nothing wrong there. 
one day the screen was just blank. I'm like, that's kind of weird. So I kind of, you know, fiddled with the cables, made sure the TV was good. Same cable worked in the Xbox and the Switch and everything. Um, I really, I trouble shot this for several days and kind of came to the, the conclusion that I might have to send it in for an HDMI port repair. And the last thing I did was I brought it downstairs and hooked it up to, I have a 24-inch 4K PC monitor. I hooked it into that, came right up. It was perfect. Um, and, and like before I did that, I also like the, the things all oh, like reboot it in safe mode. You know, you can like disable HDCP, like all the tricks, like none of that stuff worked. So um, brought, brought it downstairs, works, no problem here. And then I like I started reading like, you know, I thought it was uh, uh, CEC, maybe HDCP, something like that. So I brought it back up to the upstairs TV, disable CEC, still doesn't work. Disable HDCP, still doesn't work. The only way I can get it to display on my television is to turn off what Vizio calls full UHD color, which is essentially like 4K with HDR. Mm-hmm. So um, I factory reset the TV just to see if that, you know, because it, it had been working before using the same cable. Um, and I tried with the Xbox cable that it's working with, no, no dice. Factory reset the TV, still doesn't work. So I really don't want to mess with it anymore. I'm just going to leave it downstairs on this monitor that it works on. But yeah, it's quite frustrating. So anyone who's ever been through console troubleshooting problems knows how frustrating it is. But uh, it actually was a blessing in disguise because this is like the quietest, privatest gaming area I have in the house. Like usually if it's upstairs, the kids not only have to be asleep, but like my wife has to be like, yeah, I don't want to watch anything tonight. Like whatever, I'm just going to go to bed. But like down here, it's kind of like my area to do whatever. So I was able to get a whole lot of Last of Us Part Two in there. And um, I started, I, I mentioned last uh, time that um, I picked up God of War from our buddy Engineer Mike. Um, so after I finished Last of Us, I fired it up. Um, the, when I brought the PlayStation up to the upstairs TV and I had it on stupid 1080p or whatever uh, resolution uh, we used to use. And I fired it up, and I'm like, all right, you know, I bought this game. Like, let me let me play it. And first, that's the other thing I got to say. I don't know if I've ever seen a better looking game than The Last of Us Part Two on any platform. And I know it's different, you know, playing this type of game where you can get in nice and close, and you know, like it's a lot of performance and it's a lot of you know that kind of stuff. I don't care. Like, there's ten minutes didn't go by where I wasn't looking at it, just thinking, man, does this look good. Um, so God of War fires up, and I was really excited to see how good God of War Ragnarok would look because it's a PS5 game, and the last one I played was a, uh, a PS4 game. And I don't know if it's because the beginning of the game is just, you know, very, very bland, like snow, you know, and dark, you know, kind of dim, and the fact that maybe I was playing on a lower resolution. Um, it didn't look bad, but it didn't look Last of Us Part 2 good. And the fun- <laughs> and the funny thing is Last of Us Part 2 is a PS4 game. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's honestly, I don't know what Naughty Dog is doing. Um, I don't think anyone makes games that look as good as what they make. But anyway, um, the reason I wrote down Sleepy God of War on my notes here is because I guess I was more tired than I thought I was. Have you ever sat down to like read a little bit, like maybe before bed, and then you realize I don't remember what I've read for the last five chapters? When I go back to the next day and I like check my bookmark, I'm like, I didn't read these two pages. Like, what yeah. the heck just happened? I gotta go back. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's, yeah, I, I think I said chapters, I meant pages, but yeah, like, I'll get to the end of a page or, or two, and I'll just kind of blink, and I'm like, I have no idea what these pages said, and then I put the bookmark in, I close it, I, I put it down. So that happened to me with God of War. I was playing it, and I was kind of dozing off, and, you know, right before I kind of shut it off, I was like, I like Gandalf, like, I have no memory of this place, <laughs> so I'm actually going to delete the save file and start the game again, but uh, yeah, so again, shout out to Mike for... Uh, I, I was able to get his digital copy of God of War from the bundle uh, system that he grabbed. So, looking forward to playing it. Hopefully, I can get it on my uh, on my 4K um, monitor down here, maybe sometime soon. And yeah, so that's it for for playing for me. So I might be able to join you on that one soon because uh, I went and hung out with some friends, and they just finished it, and they were like, "Here, take our copy, borrow it for oh, a few nice. weeks." Uh, I've got three games left to revisit to write about in this book I've been working on. So after that, th there's more stuff I need to work on in the book, but I'm going to take a little break to play something. So I might Ragnarok with you. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the rate at which you play games is typically slightly faster than me. So I'll just go ahead and start. And then by the yeah, time yeah. you, and then maybe we'll end like, you know, in the same, uh, you know, general time period. Well, my son is right now, like outside this very room playing through the first one. So the plan mm -hmm. is he's going to beat number one and then we're gonna play two together awesome i like that yeah so i might not be quite as as fast as normal but yeah please start now and we'll uh, i'll keep you posted on where we're making it great so what have you been playing besides uh you know planning to play uh you mentioned the nes games <laughs> lots of plans uh yeah just nes again uh my daughter and i finished stray since we last talked Ooh, I and play that. It was good. It was, it was yeah. a really fun one to play with my daughter. I think your kids might like it because it's very cute. Uh, there is some parts where there's danger and like tension, but they're short, and um, they're they're probably capable of getting through them. Um, my daughter, being only six, uh, needed a little help with a couple of them, but she would always try first and, and try two or three times, and they go, "Okay, now you give you give it a go." Um, I don't understand why it was nominated for Game of the Year though. It just felt very, it felt like a PS2 game um, in like how it told its story and how the movement worked and everything. Like it really didn't feel modern or it didn't feel like it did anything to push the medium forward. And there was no, like the storytelling was very basic and the characters and the combat and the, everything about it was just, I've seen it a million times before. It didn't do anything mm -hmm. kind of unique. So I, I'm unsure why it got nominated with like the best games of the year, yeah. other than Some, it's a cute cat game. Sometimes I wonder about that, and I wonder if like the explosion of popularity when a game comes <clears> out, <throat> like I remember what a phenomenon Untitled Goose Game was, and then mm -hmm. you would see like those you know nominations end of the year, you know whether it was best family game, which totally makes sense, or you know like best uh, you know party game stuff like that. But yeah, I I remember thinking that last every time there's there's game of the year nominations. I'm like, I always have to look up a few games. Like, what the hell is that? And then I'm like, okay. I mean, it's, and it's like you said, it's always, it's good stuff. But like, yeah, like, I'm not sure what makes someone say, yes, that's game of the year material. Mm -hmm. I'm a little baffled. Um, what should have been game of the year material, though, is Dragon Quest Heroes 2. Still playing that with my buddy. <laughs> and it's, it's really fun. Uh, it's, super goofy and we've been doing all of the side quests so we're super leveled up so when we get to the story stuff we kind of plow through that now 
Mm. Um, but as Dragon Quest tends to do, every time you start a new job, it levels you back to one and you got to work your way up. So there's a little uh, setback and then mm. you level up really rapidly though. So it doesn't take too long to get to uh, get back where you're going. Yeah, we talked about oh. with four with the uh, class change, and yeah. it's 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 annoying. But then when you see how quick it is, it's like ah, he's back up to where he was, you know, not too long later. So it's mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll allow it. But yeah, it was definitely not something I was happy about when I saw in, it. In in the Dragon Quest Heroes games as well, because you've got a party of four and you can control any one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do class change, which only your main characters can do, uh, you can just play as one of the other characters who's a regular level. And then your guy will level up just alongside them fighting. So it doesn't really set you back too much. You just don't play with that character for a little while. And and not to interrupt, but one more quirk I just remembered about for... I I really don't like how one character joins the party. He's not, like, near the average level of your current party. Like, I'll have, like, you know, level 21 to 23 guys. Oh, Sid's in the party now. Eight. (laughs) Why? Why? Just get him, get him close to us, right? So, yeah, that's another weird one. <laughs> um, so we're going to play again tomorrow. I don't think we'll probably quite finish it tomorrow, but maybe the week after that. It feels like we're getting near the climax. We've had the big twist and the bad guy reveal and all that, and I'm sure there'll be one more twist near the end, but cool. it's very fun. Um, the same person that lent me Ragnarok, uh, we've we've been trying to get together last year to play it through Metal Gear Solid, and we just didn't find time over the last few months, but we finally found time last week, played some Metal Gear Solid, and I think we're probably right at the end. Uh, we he, he said gameplay-wise, we probably could have finished it last week. He's like, but then there's like an hour worth of cutscenes, so we won't have time. So next time I see him, we'll be able to finish that up and... And finally get through my first Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, I really, really, really love that first game. And the the entire ending sequence, uh, it's pretty magic. So I'm, I'm curious to see, number one, how you feel about it since you have never you know experienced it before. And I'd be super curious to replay it and see how it holds up to my memory. So I, I'm not a big fan of stealth games. I don't play a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So the main gameplay uh, I don't like. Um, I do enjoy the story and the cutscenes. It's it's just goofy enough that it like catches me every once in a while when I feel myself getting bored. Something really wacky happens, and I'm like, okay, I'm back yeah. in this now. <laughs> um, the controls, like they're of the time, they're very clunky and hard to go back to, and, and I screw them up often. The boss fights are either really good or really awful, and there's like nothing in between. They're, they're, yeah. Some of them are so frustrating, and some of them are really interesting and neat yeah I'll, I'll agree with that yeah um the last bosses we played we had to like fight a guy in a helicopter and mm. then uh the guy like in a freezer and he had a flamethrower <laughs> running around chasing uh, us like, is that yeah is that um uh vulcan raven yeah he definitely had the ravens yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so I'm excited to get that one done. And then we, what we've been doing last year is playing through specifically like PlayStation classics that one of the two of us have missed out on. And so before so, so you say classics, years, do you mean like the actual green band classics or just classic? PS2 just games? games that are widely recognized gotcha, as, gotcha. Yep. as uh, timeless kind of thing. So gotcha. I, he had never played Shadow of the Colossus. So I made him play Ooh. through that with me. Uh, I had never played Metal Gear. He loved that game. So he's making me play through that. 
next uh, after we finish. He's never played through Symphony of the Night, so I'm gonna make him go Man. through Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Not not a bad game in that batch. So that sounds like no. a fun club. It's been good so far, yeah. yeah. And I, we've been talking about maybe doing Wild Arms after because neither one of us have ever done that one. So mm-hmm. might yeah, be a I mean, stinker, but yeah. uh, it'd be something interesting at least. I mean, it's it's weird because we t- we talk about RPGs a lot, and it's you know I've heard of so many RPGs that I haven't played because they're a big you know time commitment, and then you know you'll hear about like like oh I remember the the cover art for that was so so cool, and people are like yeah it's an awful game like don't play it. So, <laughs> so I was talking to my buddy that I played Dragon Quest with. He knows JRPGs like better than most people that I know, mm. and he was saying if we're gonna do Wild Arms, do the PS2 remake of the first game because it is significantly better in every single way okay so i'll have to talk to my buddy and see what we which way we want to go with that one um our patreon or patron engineer mike uh came over and we watched a really weird Dolph lundgren movie that we don't need to spend much time on in the weird (laughs) of um but we played witch and whiz which is that nes homebrew game that uh, came out four or five months ago like pretty pretty recent one um and i think we made it about halfway through in one sitting um and it was it was really cool it was kind of like fire and ice or like adventures of lolo where you have like a single screen and you've got to solve the puzzle to it and then every nine or ten stages um you'd switch to the next level and there'd be like a new gimmick so one of them would be like uh you can do gravity and you can like flip to stand on the roof or the floor and then the next one you can like walk through the wall to the left and appear on the right or go through the bottom and appear on the top kind of thing. And so they all had like a different trick and you had to, to clear these, these uh, puzzle rooms, which I feel like are always more fun when you have a second brain. Cause when you get mm. stuck on something, you can have someone else's perspective. Like, Oh, try this. And I'm like, Oh, I wasn't going to think of that for a really long time. Yeah. Well, that's, um, it's been on my playlist for ages. Um, but, uh, I love portal two to death. Um, we've talked mm-hmm. about that Portal 2 co-op is a completely different experience. Um, I own the game on on Steam, and uh, I met, I think I saw, uh, I forget how I, how I found out about this, but I think I saw Disposed Hero mention something about PC games, and I was like, oh, dude, like, would you would you ever play through Portal 2 co-op with me? And he's like, oh, absolutely, just let me know. So that's kind of like on my, on my long-term, you know, like goals for this year is to get through oh. Portal 2 co-op. You'll love it. It's it's a bit shorter than the like main game, but it's mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I remember you said uh, when you played through it uh, with your boy, and I was like, oh, it's like still on my list. Yeah, yeah. And I had heard um, of uh, Witch and Wiz. I just looked it up as you were talking about it. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah, it's pretty cute. Like I said, it's a really uh, new game. So if you haven't uh, checked out and you like those kind of like single screen puzzle games, uh, it was solid. And it's cool if you didn't uh, want the cart, you could the so it's it's available to you can download the game for ten bucks, play it on the computer, mm-hmm. and the carts I would imagine are on the secondary market if the uh, if the batch is sold out. I I don't know. Limited Run did them, so I don't know if they oh, are still selling them or not too. Um, but I think they were sixty bucks when they were selling them. Yeah, very cool. Um, and this one not really a, a game I was playing, but I was listening to They Create Worlds podcast, which is really good video game podcast if you like really dry history <laughs> with like very little uh opinion it's lots, lots of just fact uh but there was an episode i listened to about sid meyer which mm. i know his name i know nothing about him other than like he made like several games 
Um, so it was really cool listening to that. And there was a guy who uh, he worked with uh, early in his business called Wild Bill. And he was a character and he was so fun to to hear about. And the guy kept every time he said Wild Bill, I just kept thinking of you and you have a, a few like you're not the same person as this guy, but you have a few things in common with like uh, how you present yourself and, and how you talk and stuff. And so it was really fun to hear that story because uh, you sound like you could have been Sid Meier's uh, best bud if you guys uh, met when you were young adults. I got to find this episode. Sounds good. I can message it to you later, which one it was, but uh, yeah, it was uh, really fun, uh, and I learned a ton about Sid Meier that I definitely didn't know before. Yeah, I, I I haven't read you know like a biography or anything on him, but I've I've read stories here and there, and just kind of like you know people will tell stories about him at you know game development shows mainly, and uh, I've read a lot of things about people at Fire Axis, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, and like they'll yeah. be making, um, you know, uh you know beyond earth or you know civ 6 or whatever and they're like it's amazing once you get into the code because you can see the iteration uh because like all the original codes there they've just built on it they've never just said okay scrap the whole thing and we'll start from zero <laughs> so you'll you'll they'll get in there and there'll be like all this commented out code of how things used to work so you can see and they're like the stuff that's buried in there like the stories and the stuff that like sid puts in the code like uh, there's some pretty cool stories about that as well but yeah i don't know a ton about the guy besides like you said just knowing that his name is on a bunch of games well i think you'd like his sidekick wild bill mm. he sounds like a really interesting guy cool um so what have you been watching lately anything interesting uh, yeah, so I, I went back and I looked at kind of my, my viewing history just to uh, make sure I grabbed uh, you know some things that I was that I may have forgot about. Um, I my my brother-in-law um, and my sister shared this with me. My brother-in-law keeps just like an Apple Notes note on his phone, and he just you know keeps a list of all the movies he's watched. I used to try to do this on Google Drive, you know, movies that I've watched, games that I've watched, and somehow like I can never stay with it. I never think to do it. But just seeing my brother-in-law's, uh, she put, she posted like pictures of it, um, his like 2022 list, and it's got all the dates on it and everything. And I was like, I really, really want to do that and commit to doing that. So I started a little notes thing, and because I started this thing, I was like, all right, I want to watch some movies. And like, I think I was just like ready to watch like anything just to like add a movie to the list. So I watched um, a, and I don't think I mentioned this last time. I didn't see it uh, uh, listed there. But I watched a movie called The Pale Blue Eye, um, which I didn't, I didn't know anything about. It's a Netflix movie, and uh, Christian Bale is in it. And I'm very sorry, I forget the guy's name. He played um, uh, Dursley um, in the Harry Potter movies, but like he's become like a very good dramatic actor since then. And I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Um, he was in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is an anthology uh, you know, series uh, western, but he was uh, in the Liam Neeson um, segment on that one where he's like a like a disabled like traveling like uh like dramatic performer like the the wagon will kind of come up and like it'll open up and it's i can't remember if i think he has i think he has no legs and maybe he's missing an arm or, or no arms no legs can't remember but he'll he'll just do these like shakespeare you know like uh, uh readings and, I, and i'm looking at him and i'm like why does this guy look so familiar it's because he was in harry potter he bullied harry when he was a kid um <laughs> So yeah, it's called the Pale Blue Eye. So, he'll, so he's going to be the next Batman, is what you're saying? It's me, must be, um, or a villain, because he's got kind of that, like he's got like a little, he's got a weird. Well, weird Robert Patterson him. bullied Harry Potter, 
And yeah. now he's doing like weird indie movies and yeah. well-respected actor. But, like, but, and this guy, like, he's just got a crazy look to him. He's he's not to be mean, but he's he's kind of gaunt. He's very there's very like um, kind of what gaunt. Like okay. he, he look he looks like there's like skin and bones, and also right. his eyes are like super close together. Um, but uh, so he so it's basically about this. Um, murder that's happened or they don't know it's murder a death has happened at a um a military uh training facility and it's also like it's um it's like uh 1800s or like 1800s early 1900s so like a death has happened and christian bale is this well-known and retired investigator living out in a cabin in the woods and they they kind of come out to him on horseback and they're like would you come and like you know just see if this is something you can investigate for us without really giving him a choice and then so he gets there and he kind of starts thinking yeah this might have been a murder and then the character played by uh the dursley uh, uh cousin he kind of approaches him and he's like the person you're looking for is a poet and he's like what do you mean and he kind of like leaves and then they end up meeting up at a bar and he's like this is why i think he's a poet and the way he speaks is so eloquent and, and beautiful and then as he, you know, the, as they continue meeting, he introduced himself. He said, oh, yeah, my name is uh, Poe, uh, Edgar Allan. So I didn't realize that I like I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Edgar Allan Poe was Edgar Allan Poe, an American in a military academy. Like, is this truth? So like I, I ended up looking it up and it's it's kind of historical fiction. Like they took some liberties. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it's I I didn't know anything about this movie. So I really 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 like not period pieces in general but i love this time period and just the way people talk it's 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 hard to describe um the a lot of the voices are very quiet like people aren't like you know loud and shouting over each other everything everyone waits for everyone to finish it's just like it's different than what you see in a lot of uh in a lot of other you know kind of uh, periods so um there's as you would expect with something where Poe's involved, there are several twists in there. Um, I thought it was good. Um, it's uh, it was interesting. Um, there's, I wouldn't say like some scenes that are hard to watch if you're squeamish. It's just for for me personally, I have like things with like so like once like rigor sets in, like so like there's like a scene where like he like opens up like like a corpse's fingers, and, like you kind of hear them cracking, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna wait in the other room, but. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, nothing to, you know, nothing like gory or anything like that. But yeah, it was solid and it's on Netflix and I, I do love some Christian Bale. So I'll usually go in for almost anything that he's in. Um, another one that I saw being talked about a lot on social media, especially TikTok, where I spend most of my time these days, was The Menu. Um, looked like it had a pretty cool ensemble cast. You got Ray Fiennes, you have um, Anya Taylor-Joy, um, who most recently we saw in... Um, uh, I was at the Northmen. Um, pardon me. And um, uh, Nicholas Holt, uh, who we all know and love from uh, Fury Road, but he's also in that very, very good um, uh, show on Hulu about um, Catherine the Great. The show is called The Great, and he plays uh, uh, her, you know, her other half in that. Um, trying to think who else is in it that i remember their name uh john leguizamo's in it uh, i was very good so basically the i went in blind i i, I kind of heard like go in knowing as little as possible try not to get anything spoiled so i had a feeling there'd be a twist and and there are some twists in it 
it's it's basically set up as um, there's this um, uh, very very uh, exclusive restaurant that's on an island that you uh, take a boat to get to, and you know, like this, it's your dining experience for the evening. And I forget what it's like. It's like thirteen hundred or fifteen hundred dollars a head, or something like that. And um, so anyway, everyone gets there, and you know. That's all I'll set up just to kind of keep it, uh, you know, spoiler free. But uh, um, again, interesting. Um, I didn't think it was anything that revolutionary. Um, kind of like when you were talking about Stray, like, you know, like, like it's, it's all right. It was interesting. It was cool. But then at the end of the year, if the menu is nominated for some kind of award, I'd be like, no, come on, get out of here. <laughs> like, it's nothing. It's nothing beyond. Like, it's probably just the fact that it was a twist, uh, you know, that kind of pushed people towards it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all right. If you, uh, and the thing is once the twist happens, there's not is, some, is like, the twist that the, the menu is soiling green. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I will tell you, um, they're, they're, they're not eating, uh, like people or themselves uh-huh. or other, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing like that. Um, but yeah, if you, and the cool, I was going to say the cool thing is the twist happens early enough that if the twist happens and you're like, uh, I'm out, you'll know f- you know, fairly quick. You don't have to wait for, you know, like the end of uh, the village to be like, ah, I don't like this. Um, so that's, uh, there's one more movie, but I'll mention, um, since I'm going chronologically, um, we did finish WandaVision. Um, nice. I can't, I can't remember how many we had left the last time we spoke. I love WandaVision. I love how it changes from when it starts to even just a few episodes later to even a few episodes later to the end like it really really it's my favorite show they put out still it is mine too um i absolutely love wandavision um i think where they not to repeat myself but where they start with it and not just for not for no reason there's a, there's absolutely reasons for all these things that are happening you might not find them out till later and i i actually it solidified how much I like it watching it a second time because now that I know what's happening and I know why it's happening. And even when they explain it a second time, it's like, I didn't even pick up on this happening because of this and, you know, going around to, to this stuff. So yeah, really, really terrific. Um, and uh, uh, the boy, same thing, like the boys, just like I said before, it's so cool watching with them because you won't think they're paying attention. And then like someone will say something and they're like, Oh, <laughs> so it's just cool seeing them you know being into it um so wandavision is fantastic i uh had not the best memories of falcon and the winter soldier and i don't know if it was be, you know i try not to give everything the benefit of the doubt i don't know if it's because of you know where i was at the time like oh i'm not in the mood for like more of like an espionage born you know type uh you know product right mm-hmm. now um also, I will be totally honest. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of uh, of the character um, that Falcon that um, uh, what's his name um, Anthony Mackie uh, plays. Um, okay. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the version of Bucky that we get in this show. And it's not that he's bad or anything like that. It's he's just so downtrodden with you know losing Steve. And you find out why, because, you know, he thinks he still has self-doubt and he, and the, the great line, the one great line that I like in the show so far is when, cause when, um, Falcon gave up the shields 
everyone in the universe is thinking the same thing. Like he, he gave you this shield and you just like threw it away. Like it was nothing. So I'm so glad that he says that to him in the show, he gave it to you and you just like tossed it away. And I'm first of all, I'm glad he said that. And then he was like, so maybe was Steve was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then maybe he's wrong about me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So like that, that is a piece that I really, you know, at least explain to me why Bucky is the way he is in this show. Even if I don't like the way he is in this show. Um, Another thing is just like, I don't know, like every time I see Falcon, uh, he's just, I don't know, like he doesn't inspire anything in me. And he's always ups- he's always upset. He's always mad at someone. He's always like back talking people. Um, so and expect except for like the couple of um, and sometimes it's funny. It's played for jokes, but it's similar to the reason why I'm not nuts about War Machine either. Like he's like a, he's, he's just a jerk. Like he shows up and he's like, oh, like so he's an idiot, right? And he's like, you guys are stupid. That's not how time travel works. Like, there's nothing about War Machine after one. <laughs> I never is, thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. That is that is like valuable and, and like not jerky. When I was a kid, uh, War Machine was like it might have been my first like comic book I bought because the cover was awesome and I used to love War Machine. Like, yeah, I so love cool. War Machine. The character and my I think my first experience with War Machine not being a comic kid what might have been marvel versus capcom 2 um and that was i was like whoa what is that so like yeah. i want to learn more about this guy um but yeah so um so and yeah so getting back to, to falcon and winter soldier like it's um, we're i think we're we finished three episodes so we got back to that one was um, a short series right like six episodes i think it's six yeah so um uh and I remember that we had great value, Captain America, and we haven't had the Shields um, oh, battery yet. That um, scene we, with yeah. U.S. Agent and the Shield, like that's that, one of, out of all the shows, like that one really sticks out in my mind. Yep, absolutely, absolutely iconic scene. So it's glad it's in there. So we're and I thought it was earlier, but I guess it's not because we're halfway through. We finished the third episode. Uh, I think it's uh, probably last, the next one then because there's a couple be, episodes yeah. dealing with the fallout of that. I'm pretty sure. Right. So the the one that we saw last night, because um, the end of the second episode, it foreshadows Zemo and, you know, kind of like looks up. And then I was like, oh, guys, remember, like, we're going to like remember Zemo. And they're both like, no. And I'm like, OK, you might not remember the name, but I was like, remember in Civil War, the guy who like blew up uh, the thing and like killed King T'Chaka the first time that we see Black Panther. They're like, oh, I remember the explosion. We're like, yeah, like, so he was like the guy pulling the strings. And then remember at the very end, he was the one who like was in the facility and he got like Tony and uh, and Steve to fight. And Callahan's like, oh, yeah. And my middle guy's like, I don't remember that. He, he didn't have a cool mask or something on at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and my wife, my wife was like, yeah, Cameron fell asleep for the last like 30 minutes of oh, <laughs> Civil no. War. So we actually had to watch a little Civil War just to refresh his memory. But um, but yeah, so I I didn't remember that because uh, now knowing Zemo going through like the whole thing again, you really don't know anything about his backstory. So now he shows up like here and he agree. OK, like, yeah, like I'll I'll be good. I promise I'll do what you say. And then he's like, all right, I know exactly where to start. Let's go. And he's got this like ridiculous like fur coat on. And I've missed it the first time. But um, when uh, what's his face? When uh, 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 Falcon's like, so, so, so you're just rich. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, it was a baron. And so they went to Madripoor. That was a cool scene um, where uh, uh, what's his name? Smiling Tiger. He's like, you've got a dumb nickname. <laughs> <laughs> so and then he's got to like drink this thing with like the snake guts in it so like 
there there's there's some cool you know scenes in it but for the most part uh yeah i'm kind of checked out like it's not it's not my jam and i forget the name of the the uh help me out with the name of the guard the elite guard in uh, wakanda the, oh, um, uh, the dora milaje dora milaje yep so so she shows up at the end of one of these episodes i think at the last episode and Bucky's like, I was wondering when you were going to show up. And then I turned and I was like, oh, guys, like the, the one from Wakanda. And they're like, oh, yeah. So they're they're kind of getting pulled into it. But, yeah, I think this is this probably not an exciting one for the kids. Definitely. Yeah, this. Yeah. Then there's there's a um, it's interesting because when you get to what's her name? The more more Thor Thormando, um, the redhead um, Carly, the one with the, Carly Morgenthau. Yep. So when you get to Carly, um it's it's real uh you know stuff that would happen if like the the repatriation right the global repatriation council and you think about like you know what if just the amount of people that were here just showed up like you know so it's it's a real you know you can sympathize with like you know like what they're going through and 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 uh but but yeah it's it's something that you i have they touched the on yet like the original super soldier program too just, just a little bit they haven't dipped it uh so right. um, what's it called the mamadonia just passed and that's where we were and so you see carly and you really start to because before this you just see some fights with carly but now you're starting to get a sense of like why they're doing like uh, what they're doing and it's like oh, like what would you do if you weren't doing this type stuff so they're kind of painting no I, I mean with uh i think his name was isaiah the old uh oh, black yeah. military guy like yes. that stuff i thought was really they, cool yes they went to his house um and because that was like the final lead they had before they were like we don't have any leads left like we got to go to zemo right um so that was really cool and then how they they show up at the house and then I forget what he says to like, you know, let him in. And then he lets him in. And um, I thought it was a really cool way to show that there are remnants of that program, even though like they're mm-hmm. not like out in the open. And then he like obviously kicks him out of the house. I also really, really liked when Bucky is telling Falcon um, about uh, here's my plan how we're going to get Zemo out of prison. And he's like explaining it to him and they're kind of showing it. And he's like, this is, this is never going to work. It's never going to happen. And he's like, listen, like, don't get mad. <laughs> like he's right there. It's like, Oh, it, they've done it already. That I really like that scene, <laughs> that scene too. So, but yeah, I, we're, I'm pretty sure it's six episodes. So we're halfway through. So um, not, not, not our favorite. I am picking up more things uh, than I did the first time. So there's, I guess there's value in that. And Madripoor kind of gave me John Wick uh, uh, vibes, and it made me like think like about like oh yeah, I have this criminal underground, and like maybe I'll go watch some John Wick movies again at some point. So I think it'll at least uh, set up a whole bunch of stuff in the future, like the next Captain America movie. Uh, Val is popping in a lot of things, and she'll probably yes. be really important in the Thunderbolts. Yeah, and so like stuff that's coming out in the next two or three years, like I yeah. think you'll need to watch that show to to pick up on. Yeah, and I don't remember if he's in this, but um, um, uh, Marty Freeman's character, I'm paying more attention to him like as we go through as well because he does pop up quite a bit. He doesn't seem like someone that they're just gonna drop off because he's been in so many things, but you know, you never know. So, and that's that's gets us caught up from Marvel. So the last thing that I've watched um, originally it was on my radar from Chris's recommendation. Um, so that's what kind of got it on the watch list. And then the Oscar nominations came out and I'm like, damn, 
best picture, best song. Like, I should go ahead and watch this. So I watched RRR on Netflix, <laughs> which is not about seals. Um, it is uh, takes place in uh, uh, pre-independent. It's, it's set in pre-independent India. Um, and it uh, I didn't realize this till after I watched it. It's based on uh, it's it's historical fiction. It's based on two real um, revolutionaries in the Indian independence movement who had nothing to do with each other. And this movie kind of says, what if they were born at the same time and they were friends? So <laughs> that's kind of what it does. And there are many twists in this. They they kind of they kind of play the um, and there's many, there's a lot of flashbacks, too. So you don't really know who everyone is and what their origin story is from the beginning. You kind of see origin stories later on. And then like, you know, there's all these like light bulb flashy moments like, Oh, you know, like that kind of thing. But, um, I don't watch a lot of movies from this region of the worlds. Um, I don't know if you'd, if you'd consider it Bollywood. Um, uh, I don't know what the term actually, you know, uh, and if there's like specifics on like, this is Bollywood, this is not Bollywood. Um, it's, uh, the original language I believe is Hindi. Um, I did watch it um, dubbed because I didn't want to uh, be reading the entire movie. Um, it's just very good. It's long. It's three hours long. Um, and I will tell you, I do think the song in this, uh, Natu Natu, I do think it is the best song. Uh, <laughs> I do hope it wins. When the movie was over, I like went back because the movie's three hours long. The song happens about an hour in. I went back and I watched the song like again and not just the song, the dance that is happening during it is so good. Like it's not very often that I watch something and I was like, I wish I could dance like that, but I absolutely <laughs> wish that I could just be at a wedding and like pop into a not to not to. It's so good. And also what's great about it is um, as you would expect, like a, a, a Bollywood style over the top action movie, there is a lot of, it, there's a lot of friendship in it. There's a lot of family, uh, uh, you know, uh, drama, loyalty stuff. Um, but as an over-the-top action movie, there are these scenes that no one expects you to think that they're real. But there's so much, like, reality kind of peppered into it that it's it rides this weird line, like, between, like, when you watch something like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, and you're like, well, you know, people can't actually jump and walk on water like that. You know that but you buy into it for the movie. This is the same kind of thing where like most of a fight scene will, will be totally based in reality. But then like, you know, a, a motorcycle will be riding at a guy and at the last minute, he'll just like slam his foot down on the front fender and the motorcycle will just, you know, like fly <laughs> up in the air in slow motion. And at one point, like one of the main characters like grabs the motorcycle out of the air and then throws it at someone. So <laughs> Uh, there's 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 a bit of that stuff in there so at, you know while all that's happening you're just like you know it's not one of these movies where you're like oh someone could never do that you know like in die hard or something you just kind of smile and laugh and take in the spectacle of it um also i've noticed that there's not a ton of slow motion in american uh movies even american action movies this movie goes into slow motion all of the time, which usually bothers me. I'm like, oh, this movie would be after done the by Matrix now. came out. All we had was slow motion for like ten years. I'm telling you, I really don't notice it. And <laughs> when you watch RRR, I, def I I I would actually say that I don't think there's a single scene that doesn't use some amount of slow motion. <laughs> and a lot of time, it's not just used as because Matrix style is like, 
look how cool this looks. Yes. And, and RRR doesn't do that. RRR is like, it, it does that a little bit because like sometimes they'll show some big explosion. So, I was watching Black Widow just before we got on the cast here and Taskmaster, they black or they slow motion uh, whenever she like enters. She like okay. walks really slow yeah. and everyone else is like, oh my God, Taskmaster's here. Yeah, the, the Armageddon walk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you'll do that for like a, like a menacing or, or they did it in Gladiator with um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character. Uh, when you first see him, like he gets out of the wagon and slow. So yeah, that's that's a mm-hmm. um, a menacing a tactic. But uh, one thing they do several times in RRR is they slow it down just to make sure that you don't miss like a story beat or the way a character is thinking. Like you, you'll see kind of eyes looking at a thing, and then back to them, and they realize, oh, I have to do this because it'll help my friend. And then they, you know, will do something like that. So it's it's really clever. I I, I liked it a lot. Again. It's long, um, but if you you know if you don't have three straight hours, split it up over a couple of nights. But uh, I did enjoy it very much, so glad that Chris recommended it. Really hope it wins best song, and I I'd be surprised. Excuse me, I'd be surprised if it didn't win best foreign language uh, with all the uh, best foreign language film with all the hype around it. Very cool. I yeah, I've had a few people mention it to me now, so I better try and watch that before next. Uh... Yep. podcast yeah and you said it's on canadian netflix as well sometimes you guys get, sure is, uh, yeah. get left off there but yeah so uh yeah and i'd, I'd be curious to see uh once because uh, yeah if you if you get it before the next show then we can have a uh have all three of us can kind of talk about it <laughs> we'll each be one of the r's yeah <laughs> which they do tell you what they stand for i didn't think they would Ooh. It, it like as they explain things like they'll it'll be like the first like 30 minutes and then like one big R comes up on screen and then like the rest of the word kind of comes from out behind it. So you, you do see what it means eventually. Nice. Um, mine will be short. I've, I haven't watched as much. Uh, and the two things that I did watch, I'll probably wait until Chris is here to have a good conversation with him. Uh, Cause they're both Star Trek movies. I watched uh, Insurrection and Nemesis. Cool. Yeah. And when we talked about uh, like generations, like, I, I did not care for that movie. Um, I don't think we've actually had a conversation about First Contact yet, but I did watch that as well. And it was better than Generations, but I still didn't really care for it overall. Uh, but I loved Insurrection. I thought that was a, a really cool show, and it, it felt more like the TV series that I remember. I think that's why I liked it so much, whereas Generations and First Contact felt like they were trying to be movies, and they're not very good at that um so they felt odd like, like weird tones throughout the whole thing and i i hate when star trek does like big space battles and like the, i don't think it does it well i think it's much better show when it's uh diving into like social topics or something like that which uh insurrection and nemesis i think both did and nemesis like it did have space battles but it wasn't like armada versus armada it was like two ships and then like two more came in so at most they had four ships um and that was a very small part of the movie too um i didn't realize ron perlman was in that movie until it was over and i was reading the credits and i had to look up who he was uh so that kind of blew my mind yeah i don't remember him off the top of my head i mean it's been a long time since i've seen nemesis but yeah he's uh well you know tom hardy uh shinzon um he was his viceroy the whole movie like the guy who was like his number one the whole time 
Yeah, I, I would need to pull up uh, an image. I mean, I'm assuming he's covered in makeup or else yeah. you would recognized him. Yeah, he's Reman, so he's like, uh, looks like a dark elf or something, like really gaunt, like you say, and he's got the pointy uh-huh. ears and really sunken eyes and stuff. It didn't look anything like Ron Perlman. And, and if I remember correctly, this is the... I, I remember seeing this movie in the theater because I remember the um, the trailer kind of spoiled or teased, you know, a person like flying out into space, which ends up being like the, the death of a character. But I remember um, looking back on this and um, I don't know if it was Tom Hardy's first thing, but it was fairly early on. And I've seen interviews where he got this role and then he got like nothing else for a long time. And uh, uh, this is kind of like where he like changed his career around, started doing things differently. So uh, I thought it was an interesting interview. But uh, uh, it's interesting you say that about First Contact. Um, that was kind of what pulled me back into Star Trek after like not really being into it for a while. And the guy who recommended it to me, he's like, what's great about it? He's like, he said, it's not he said, it's not really like a Star Wars movie. It's just like a really long episode of uh, Star Trek. I might have said Star Wars there. Um, but, um, uh, again, I don't come from the show, uh, as my background. So maybe that's why I don't grab onto different things like that. I, I thought insurrection is the one that felt the most like an episode of the show so far. Yeah. And I don't, I honestly don't remember that. So I think they're all on HBO. So maybe I'll give insurrection a try. If you say that's the one that it, uh, it's like slow, there's like no action to it. So mm. You keep that in mind, like go in expecting like more of a drama than like an action movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember, and I remember um the the cover of it clearly because it was in the uh, movie store when I worked at the video store. So like I I the poster, like the cover of the VHS is like burned into my uh, memory. But yeah, I don't I have no recollection of the movie. So we'll we'll see if I can add that to the list. There there was a really funny part in Nemesis where, um. The, the first maybe like 20 minutes of the movie is a little lighthearted and there's like some joking around and stuff. And then there's like no jokes after that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Serious tone change as soon as they get invited to go to like the Romulan Senate. Um, the music is like really intense and slow and like ominous. And they're still in the joke phase of the movie though, when that music's on. And so they make like two jokes during this like slow, ominous music. And it's the tone is so different than what's being represented that I thought it was so funny. I just couldn't stop laughing. I'll see if I pick up on that when I watch yeah. it. Cause they're like, like no one gets invited to the Romulan Senate. Like if you watch Star mm. Trek, you know, like that's a, a very big deal. Mm. And the music represents that and then captain picard's making jokes about Worf being naked at a wedding ceremony (laughs) he's like i have to go to the gym and work out now and it's like very lighthearted dialogue but the music doesn't match it at all it's really weird yeah speaking of Worf, i really i've really always loved that scene where they're in first contact and i love how the borg don't pay attention to you when they don't think you're a threat i think Mm -hmm. that's a super awesome mechanic that could be even like uh, uh, useful in a video game but when they're like out side the ship with like their gravity boots on and stuff and then like when the Borg realize what they're doing and they kind of go over there and then uh like Worf has like the kind of suit is like punctured and it's like oh no like Worf's out of the battle and then a little while later like Worf kind of comes back and like helps out and you're like what how'd Worf get back into it and he like tied off like one of the Borg's like body parts to like seal <laughs> the uh the thing on this and I was watching it with my buddy who like told me like he's, he's like oh I'll, I'll bring it over you'll love it 
And this, and when it cut back to Worf, my buddy Eric in the room, he goes, field dressing. So <laughs> <laughs> like, you do what you got to do. But yeah, I love that scene. And I also that, love um, when Picard calls him a coward. It's a great scene. Every one of those movies expects that you've seen the entire show. Like none of them are like welcoming to someone who doesn't know Star Trek. They just like, you know, all these characters, you know, all this background, like here's a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is nice when you've seen it, but I I can't imagine watching one of these without having ever seen any of these shows. You know, it's funny when I was younger and I would watch, you know, not like amazing show, but I would watch like, I would really love 24, especially the first three seasons. Mm -hmm. And whenever they would do this previously on 24, I hated it because it was, it's like, I watched the show. You don't have to like, tell me this. Or the thing that was really bad is when they reference something in previously on 24 from like nine episodes ago from a character you hadn't thought about. It's like, well, now I know that character is coming back because like, they've reminded me who it is. So, like, I didn't like that aspect either. And now that I'm older and I don't watch stuff like as often. And then a year goes by and it's like, Oh, Mandalorian season three is coming out what happened what happened at the end of season two like can someone no, can someone like, help me out in in nemesis which is like the fourth next generation movie data acts weird for a moment and they they look at each other and they ask to like how's his emotion chip which is the thing that happened in generations and they just expect you know that what the emotion chip is yeah. and what happened to him they don't yeah. ever explain it beyond that and he's like no it's not that it's something else <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird good old star trek yeah all right, so you've got some pickups you wanted to go over too? Yeah, just a few. Um, so I uh, I helped my neighbor out, who's a, a great great neighbor, um, uh, has a great tool room, um, very welcoming to the kids. They have fish in there that they you know like will go over and like you know visit uh, their their tank of fish, and they'll uh, get to um, you know get like some some treats uh, if if uh, you know if his wife's home but yeah just fantastic neighbors and he pinged me he knows that i kind of know my way around you know uh, technology and he was like billy's like i really appreciate it if you would help me out like the cable company sent me a new cable box um could you please just come over and like take the old one i was like yeah no problem this is easy so we we made some time we went over there and it was just the same thing. So we just took it out, put it back in. We called the cable company. We're like, hey, here's the idea of the new thing. And it took like probably 30 minutes. And he was like, I said, I appreciate it so much. Like I would have been on the phone with them for hours, not like just frustrated. And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. And then I, on the way out, I saw this like thing that had kind of pulled out. He was like, oh, I want to move this DVD player in here too. So I moved the DVD player in. And the one that he pulled out, I was like, what are you doing with this one? And he's like, oh, like I, it's, something's wrong with it. I'm getting rid of it. I was like, can I have it? And he's like, oh, yeah, go for it. So he gave me the Sony RDR, which I assume is Red Dead Redemption, the X555. So this is something that has not been on my radar for a long time. But when Chris bought out that VHS uh, rental place, we were over there and they had a bunch of machines. And I was like, oh, I would take a VHS. I don't have a VHS if you have like a spare one to give me. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, what's uh, what people always look for? Um, there was a small overlap where HDMI was available while VHS was. So you really want to try to find an H- a VHS with HDMI. He didn't have any at the store. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll keep an eye. I'll keep an eye out at Goodwill and Savers and stuff like that. So this RDR um, is a, a DVD VHS recorder. So uh, you can dub between the two of them. And it has HDMI out. So um, I, I wiped it down. It looks great. I didn't ask him like what 
doesn't work on it. I'm really hoping it's user error, like he wasn't on the right input or something like that. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to get this thing connected uh, at some point in the next uh, couple of weeks when I got a few minutes. And hopefully it it just and, and or maybe just the DVD portion doesn't work, which I don't care. I want the VHS portion. So uh, but it's really cool for right now. Uh, it's stacked right on top of my laser disc player. That I was with Chris when I bought at the uh, at the pawn shop uh, just in, in one town over here. So um, got my little retro uh, stereo uh, set up, uh, got a new uh, addition. So hopefully it works because I don't know where I would take it to get it repaired. And I don't want to <laughs> open up that can of worms and, you know, be replacing resistors and capacitors on a, on so a VHS board. Speaking of repairs and resistors and capacitors, I just shipped a huge box of consoles off to get repaired within Canada. Mm. Um, I'm a little, I was a little nervous cause it was an expensive box cause I shipped uh, Vectrix, uh, four virtual boys, uh, turbo CD, uh, turbo duo, and a copy of clay fighter sculptors cut. Um, all repair stuff that I've been meaning to do forever and they're either beyond my capability or I just haven't gotten around to them. So I found a guy willing to do all of them at once. So I shipped him like this box worth of two to three grand and he, wow. <laughs> he's already got the sculptor's cut working. So that's mm-hmm. like, boom, everything's paid for when that gets back. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I get updates every couple of days. That's awesome. Yeah, and then so and at this place where I, I went and helped Chris kind of clear some stuff out, there was like a little whiteboard sign up there, you know, like VHS repair, like this much per hour and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I mean, can't go here anymore. Like this, this guy isn't around. But um, uh, the other thing too is like, you like even though I got it for free, it looks like you can get these things working on eBay for between like 150 and 200. So I kind of need to be between like. 50 and 100 tops to you know even like make the repair work so we'll see uh, hopefully the vhs portion just works but that was kind of a cool unexpected pickup um uh you guys know i've been playing uh, some more guitar um i got a deal on a, a guitar rack to just kind of like store them on so there's not loose guitars just uh, kind of like flailing all around uh, the place you need cib um, guitars you can't have you can't have I, them loose exactly yeah it's it's i got the instructions for the rack too so perfect uh, in case i know yeah and then I'm, they're going to be like in a dollar uh, uh pouch somewhere and someone's going to be so excited that they you, can you better scan those into rf <laughs> uh and then uh, so last pickup um vinyl records uh, especially video game soundtracks the pre-orders they just take so long to happen sometimes a box will just show up a record-shaped box and you're like well, what is this? I forgot about this. So I don't know. It was probably at, it was at least a year ago, maybe more. Um, the uh, the old PS3 game uh, Journey. Um, they had already released the soundtrack on on vinyl, but it was a picture disc, which is totally fine. Um, I just tend not to lean towards picture discs. So um, they uh, I actually saw it in person at a PAX, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I'll I'll pass. But I did buy that was the day I bought Shadow of the Colossus, which is an amazing record. The packaging is great, the music's great. Um, so I am I, 8 bit announced uh, this journey 10th anniversary uh, double 180 gram uh, vinyl. So I was like, yep, I'm in. So uh, made that purchase, forgot about it. So uh, last week, uh, wife uh, texted me and said, hey, there's like a box for you, it looks like record. And I'm like, ooh, what could this be? So get home, and um, I also was uh, 
had enough foresight to order two copies. Um, so uh, we'll see. I, I typically do this. I mean, like if the market goes wild, I'll take advantage of the wild market. More often than not on, on something like this, I'll just put it out there for any, you know, buddy who like forgot to pre-order a copy and I can get them one, you know, like at, uh, at the, at the you know, retail price. Um, so yeah, so that journey 10th anniversary, I have not spun it yet. Um, but, uh, it, it, it was picked up. Um, and I guess since that's music, I'll just do like my, my last two music related items here. Um, I got an Our Lady Peace concert coming up in just a couple weeks. So they're playing a free concert at a casino that's like an hour and a half away from here. Um, so it's one of these things that it's free, but it's like limited seating. So I'm going to get there on the early side, like as early as I'll let you get there to kind of line up for the show. And I will be playing Final Fantasy four until that show uh, starts. Um, and the last thing is uh, I just wanted to mention that I've taken a step forward in my uh, guitar playing career and I've started taking guitar lessons. Uh, there's oh. a guy there's a guy who I've actually found on TikTok who I not only think is uh, an really, really, really unbelievably good guitar player. Um, I really I just drawn into his content. It's very funny. Um, I think I've shared it with you guys before. It's, it's the guy. Um, his name is um, Jamie Robinson. Um, he uh, he's the guy who does those videos. That's like it, when you hire a rock guitarist for your jazz gig. Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen those. And, and they'll be like just kind of like this, like kind of jammy, like just this real quiet, you know, like clean guitar. And then he'll play like the Hangar 18 solo. It's totally clean <laughs> and it goes over. It's the same key. But he's like playing like a Metallica or a Megadeth or like some solo, and then it, it cuts to the other guy, and he's like, "Is that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I I found him initially because I thought it was really funny, but then I started watching more of his content, and I was like, "Man, this he's really really good." So um, I I reached out to him, and he said, "Yeah, nothing's available." This is a while ago. He's like, "Nothing available right now, but I'll let you know if something opens up." So something opened up, and I've uh, taken two lessons already. So I'm already uh, feeling pretty good about it. So. Right nice nice to have a hobby especially with uh you know selling some of the things that we're getting rid of and now i got a little little activity that can kind of fill some of that time <laughs> love it that's really cool i'm glad it's going well for you yeah all right and speaking of selling things for for hobbies uh that's our main topic this week uh we've been both bill and i have been dabbling and selling some items for the first time in, in quite a while from our collection so I thought it'd be a good time to talk about how we came to that decision, what kind of things we're selling and just what the market's like now. Cause we, I, I feel like I'm speaking for both of us. Haven't done that in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I have sold things on, you know, mostly Facebook marketplace because you know, you can do it local and then open it up to shipping. If it doesn't work out, the fee is much lower than uh, eBay. It's like, like, like five ish percent, something like that. Um, but yeah, in, in the game space, it's definitely been a while. So, and then before we get too far into it, when you mentioned that you sent away this stuff to be repaired, my first thought was that you were repairing it so that you could sell it for higher dollar. But is this stuff that you plan on keeping? Both. A little bit of okay. both. Like I said, there's gotcha. four virtual boys. I don't need four virtual boys. I will keep one virtual boy and sell three of them. Uh, the Turbo Duo and the CD I want recapped. I'll probably keep the Duo and, and maybe part with the CD. Uh, but all the other stuff was to, to sell as well. 
Yeah, because that's another, uh, and we'll probably get into that. But there's there's not too much that I have uh, that's like not working. Like most of the stuff I have is not hardware; it's games. Mm -hmm. But one of the items that I had that I just had such a you know a, a pain you know getting any any interest in is a um what do you call it the master system converter. Um, is it power base converter? Power base converter. Yep. Uh, to play Master System games in the uh, Genesis or Mega Drive for our uh, European friends or Japanese friends. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for a while it was uh, untested because I don't have a Genesis to test it in. <laughs> it's like, uh, it probably works. It's just a pass-through, right? And then I actually brought it to a friend's house. I'm like, hey, let me just verify this works so I can tell people. And it didn't turn on. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I got to change it from untested to not working. So... But yeah, it's uh, getting stuff working um, is definitely uh, something that uh, I don't envy people that have like boxes and boxes and stacks of systems that they have to like go through and test. So yeah, that's how I was feeling like it was starting to happen, and I've started selling some PC stuff online, uh, so I have a little extra money from that. And I was like, I just you know these consoles take up a lot of space, and mm. some of them are very valuable. Like, I got to get these working and get them out of here. So that mm. finally took steps towards that because it's something I've been meaning to do for years. Awesome. Yeah, so I know, like, you recently have been um, trying to sell your Konami Silverbox set. So I want to know how you came to the decision to um, part with that because you've, you've had those for a long time, and I remember it took you a long time to complete that set, too. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, honestly, I've I've gone through a few phases where I've I've downsized, uh, uh, you know, certain things, and uh, I've never regretted it. Um, and I've always, you know, if I saw something, if I looked at something, and I said, you know, this this means something to me, I'd like it. Uh, you know, whether I want to play it or not, like that's always something that I I struggle with because. I don't have as much of a problem emulating as, as some other people might. I used to kind of hold on to stuff because I'm like, well, you know, it looks better on CRT and I had some CRT screens. I don't have any CRT anymore besides oh, my one Sony. No Sony CRTs PVM. in your house? I got a PVM. I got a 13-inch PVM oh, that I go. use as a okay, test station okay. for my arcade stuff. And I do have um, my Genesis um, cable that'll go to the BNC connectors and the... Uh, uh, Super Nintendo N64, like that, uh, that AV, the Nintendo AV, I guess you call it from, mm -hmm. from that era. Um, but yeah, it's just a 13, but it, it does the job. But, uh, but yeah, so like to me, it's always been, you know, I feel like I would hold on to things for like too long. Uh, but it, it didn't like, you know, it didn't matter. Like if, if it makes me happy, if it brings me joy, like I want it there. And like you said, like it took me a long time to get the Konami silver boxes, uh, for a long time, I was going after Nintendo Black Box games, and when mm -hmm. I made the decision to start moving through stuff, that was one that, uh, um, you know, it was very similar because there's a lot of games in the Black Box, uh, you know, group that are very valuable, and then mm -hmm. it's always based on quality, but then there's also a lot of games that are, you know, like, on the more common side, so you don't get, you know, like, hundreds for each one of them. Well, maybe nowadays you would, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's 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 always kind of been about the money's never really been like an issue so i've never really needed to look around and say okay what can i move real quick to get a few extra bucks and it used to be like that where you know 
were not making as much money, you know, five years ago, um, you know, we got kids in the mix. We're like, you know, we don't want to be, you know, struggling. So I'm like, well, what can I move to make a few bucks? Right. Because we don't want to go into credit card debt. So that's kind of how it used to be. It's not like that anymore. Like if, if I, you know, we, we, ha we have the money to do the things we want to do. So that's kind of why the selling like kind of took a back seat for a while. So last year when I uh, was thinking about getting this uh, guitar that I've um, wanted for a really, really long time, even before I like, you know, got back into guitar in the last uh, couple of years, uh, I've always been a big fan of Tool and Adam Jones. And I've always loved the 1979 Les Paul Custom that he plays, knowing in my head, I mean, this is like a, ten thousand plus dollar guitar for like a, a vintage you know gibson les paul custom never gonna happen so then they they made a um an adam jones uh, signature edition which was ten thousand dollars and i'm like well that's great for the doctors and lawyers i i'm out and th that was an aged and signed version then they just made the regular old version the signature edition which was six thousand dollars i'm like that's good for the dentists of the world like i am still out right <laughs> But then when they were like, okay, we're also doing... When will they the make a guitar for the IT man? Yeah. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so they've actually, so they actually, they've they come out and they said they underestimated demand for this model. So they came out and they said, okay, we're making an Adam Jones standard. So a less, a Gibson Les Paul standard is $2,999. So it's still not an inexpensive guitar. So they came, they, they announced this and I was like, oh, I was like, it's, it's, it's still too much. It's still like, I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. Right. So I, so I said, I said, nay. And then just a few days pass. And like, I kind of can't stop thinking about it and tell my wife, I'm like, listen, I need you to talk me off the ledge. I don't, I don't need this thing, you know, type deal. And she's like, well, listen, like, you know, if, if, if you want it, like, and it's not going to hurt us, like you, you should get it because you know, you want it. And she's like, also look at what, previous you know signature edition because they make the signature for a year or two and then it's gone she's like look at what previous signature guitars go for so i looked up like the last like five or six different signature models and they after they've been retired for a couple of years very similar to lego they like double in price on the secondary market so she's like you're not going to lose money on it but at the same time i didn't want to take a big chunk like out of you know like a non Fun Sorry, Callahan, you don't need to go to college that early. Exactly. Yeah. Your your teeth aren't that crooked. <laughs> <laughs> so um I kind of looked around the gaming room and I'm like, man, like if only I had some I don't it's like I've already downsized. I don't have anything that's that's got that much value. And then I kind of turned my head that way and I was like, Oh, I've got Mortal Kombat one and Mortal Kombat two like restored arcade games. And I hadn't even thought about them as being that valuable because I got them, you know, before the pandemic and like, you know, did the restores and everything. So I pinged a few friends and I'm like, what do you think these would be? Because I got them for like, you know, in the five to six ish range each and then put some time and money into them. So I said, what do you think these would be worth? And uh, a few buddy, different buddies, they were like, oh, like I would list them for like kind of between like, you know, like X and X. So I said, I'm, I'm going to start high. You know, they're they're fully restored. And like if someone wants to, this is a huge deal, right? So I posted them. I got someone in Canada, uh, the land of people who know their arcade games. So he he said, I'm serious. He said, give me he's my number. Give me a call. So I talked to him and he said, you cannot find arcade games up here. Like they rarely make it up here. 
when you find someone, it's like someone who's got a bunch of them, like a business or like a collector or something like that. But he basically paid for a freight company to pick them up at my house. So two dudes came in, wrapped them up and like wheeled them uh, like onto their truck and drove them to him. And I think he was in the Edmonton area. Yeah. So it, was, that, yeah. so it was not, not close. So basically I know it was a long way to answer, but it, it, it came up as a means of like, I didn't feel comfortable using like, you know, family or bill or mortgage funds, not me, bill, but like bills, bills, uh, funds $2 on, bill. on, yeah, on a, you know, essentially like fun money or a toy for me. Right. So this current, uh, 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 downsize, um, I've been getting tattoos for the last year after, you know, waiting to get them for a long time and finding an artist that I really, really like. I'm actually getting the Star Wars arm finished up uh, uh, just a week or two after that Our Lady Peace concert I mentioned. And then we're going to move on to, you know, we'll see what we can figure out back on the on the Weezer arm with the uh, owl rocking on the guitar. There's another artist that I've been following since as long as I've been following the, the guy that I'm with now. And uh, he's a really, really good realism guy. And I've always wanted him to do a Blade Runner piece. So his books opened up. I submitted, which I've done before and not been picked. So I submitted and I got the message back that said he will take this project and go ahead and book an appointment. So I didn't want to not jump on this opportunity because I don't know how long it's going to be, you know, before it comes up again. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to make sure I secured it. And since I already have the, you know, I've already got a tattoo coming up with one guy, this, the, the Blade Runner piece is going to be like the following month. So I was like, oh man, same thing. Like it's not in the kind of fun money budget. Like I don't want to, you know, go negative or pull from other stuff. So I'm like, okay, is there anything that I don't use, haven't touched that I can move and also like not spend an enormous amount of time on? because you could spend a massive amount of time, you know, individual, like, you know, taking things and taking pictures and listing stuff and doing individual and doing shipping. And then you sure I can. Really, <laughs> I really, I really didn't want to get into a thing where I'm spending all of my free time taking pictures and shipping and doing stuff like that. So I was like, what can I do? So, and that's when I kind of saw the silver box games and I'm like, all right, I'd really like to sell it as a whole set, even though I know it's not going to happen, but you never know. Maybe you find some, you know, doctor or lawyer who wants to get into the hobby. So, uh, did, I did have an offer over what I was asking, but it was from a high roller group that my buddy posted on Facebook. And then when he found out that any of the games had any dings on them, he was like, Oh, never mind," Cause like he wanted like absolutely perfect. And like, I told another buddy that and he's like, yeah, good luck, buddy. So, um, so yeah. And then, uh, so when I did all the price charting, you know, kind of added it all up, I was like, yep, I think this is the way to go. So, um, it's, uh, mainly for, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's, I'm selling it so that I can afford to get a tattoo. I feel more responsible replacing the funds, you know, or, or sorry, mm -hmm. sourcing the funds from, you know, selling something as opposed to, you know, just taking it out of the bank account. I've always tried to keep my my hobbies money separate from my personal finances too. Yeah, totally yeah. get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how about yourself? So it's because uh, you've been and and I, it's you know when I look at how big your collection is like you know over the years, and I really haven't ever seen you sell stuff besides like you know when you, you mentioned the PC stuff and you've shown me some 
some PC things. You got some stuff kind of set aside for me mm-hmm. for when I have no tattoos to pay for. Um, but yeah, I was curious if this is uh, something you've been thinking about for a long time versus, uh, you know, just uh, uh, just trying to downsize in general because the market's hot or what was kind of your, your thought behind it? Not so much the market, but my game room, like you said, I haven't really sold anything, especially since I have my store because uh, it was very easy there. Um, I My game room used to be my favorite room in the house and it's gotten so full i don't enjoy being in there as much as i used to and i just need to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff out of there and i've been looking through it and i'm like realizing like i'm not gonna i had not that i just don't have time to play some of them i'm like i don't have interest to play some of these i don't know why i still have it so i figured pc would be the easiest place for me to start um because there's a lot of them that i just yeah i don't have interest in playing and they're they're somewhat valuable so I, a couple weeks ago, I meant to do this last year and I didn't get around to it this year. I have a, a potential business I want to get into again. So I'm in need of some extra money too. So that's a motivation right now too. So I've been selling them. I've been taking the time to do all the pictures and individual listings and shipping everything. And it is very time consuming. Um, and apparently only people in Europe and Quebec want PC games, but they, they're very friendly and easy to deal with. <laughs> it's, so I mean, if it's, if, it, if it's a hockey game or a final fantasy or something I used to own, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm into mm-hmm. it, but yeah, I've, I've heard that same, uh, that same sentiment from people who like sell PC games at conventions. I was like, Oh, like I'd love this stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, we can't get anyone to, like yeah. they're like and you know what they say they're like we have more we didn't bring it we didn't think people would want it i like posted it like locally and on like the canada-wide like facebook groups and got like crickets out of it and then i posted on ebay and like overnight like a quarter of it sold but i had to like yeah. ship to like portugal and yeah. france and, 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 and lots and, of quebec and, and that's the tricky part being a, a PC guy is, um, you know, I, I love, you know, grabbing cool new big box stuff to throw on the thing. But the thing is, the only reference people have for sales is eBay. And the people on eBay are the, you know, the like, I will pay what I have to pay to get this thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not always that guy. So it's like, I have to kind of tiptoe around that when someone's like, oh, well, the price for this is $48. And I'm like, listen, that's a good price for that. And I won't even know before I ask. And then I'll go look it up and I'm like, oh crap. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's market, but that's not what I'm, you know, like willing to pay for something mm-hmm. that's just going to sit on a shelf. Cause PC, like I'm mostly not p- playing the big box PC. It's, it's a shelfer. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of them are the old, like five and a quarter discettes. Like they're not probably playable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the guys in Denmark's like, I will pay for that. And I know yeah. shipping's ridiculous. He's like, ebay's got this new thing where they can like prepay these vat fees and i guess that's like some kind of customs fee over there yeah value added uh, tax so yeah okay that's thank the, you that that's the thing that they're all like when my wife used to do etsy they would say in the in the notes like can you please uh, make sure the value is under ten dollars and write gift and like it's like well i'm really not supposed to do that because i'm a business and i'm selling you something you know but like mm-hmm. people would constantly send their messages like I got this package and they want, they charged me like $28 on top of it. And it's similar to customs in Canada where like, it's just random. If they, they'll just grab a package, open mm-hmm. it up, I shall add this much value added tax to a thing. And it's, it's Europe's version of that. 
Yeah, he was like paying as much for the game in shipping costs as the game itself, and he was very understanding. He's like, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "I just I can't get this anywhere else." He's like, yeah. "I'm happy to do it." He's like, "If if the that thing," um, he's like, "It's not even the money." He's like, "It's just it gets stuck there for three months rather than yeah. two to three weeks." So he's they'll, like, they'll if they can prepay the, the VAT, he's like, then I'm good. I'm really happy. They'll send those people would send her. She doesn't have the Etsy shop anymore, but they'd send her messages like the tracking says it's been in Jamaica, New York for like three weeks. And it's like, yeah, that's where it leaves the country. And like, so don't track it in U.S. Postal Service anymore. Like track it in like your country's like, you know how like you like we track it in Postal Service until it gets to Canada. Then we use that number in Canada mm-hmm. Post and you can see where it is. But like they'll they'll respond back and it's like it says it's in customs and we're like yep like yeah. it's anyone's guess so yeah that's, so that's crazy that you i got, uh, have I, I plans have thought that the europeans get, would have been yeah uh, lots of europeans into that they're very friendly very nice yeah. their english is awesome yeah yep. no problems assuming everything shows up it's gonna be another week or two still to make sure everything got there safely so Mm-hmm. used good boxes and, and made sure they were full of bubble wrap and stuff so mm-hmm. should be okay that's cool um so but saying, I, yeah so i have plans was, to so make my so game so room much more functional than it currently is um which i'm very much looking forward to and i want to put the funds towards uh, my next business venture so kind of dual edged sword there awesome so you, so you mentioned pc games already Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a few of the consoles there. Is there mm-hmm. anything outside of that? Or are you trying to get through like entire, you know, or the majority of like a subset or something you've decided to go with before you move on to like another category? So big things first, because they take up the most room. Um, sure. So like I've got a Virtual Boy demo kiosk. It's really cool. It takes up like a two by two foot area. Um, I've got a World of Nintendo sign same thing it looks amazing awesome it's like i don't know four feet long and, foot and a half tall and like another foot wide yeah. um all the special editions i have i i look at them and i'm like some of these like i love the games i'd be happy with just the standard regular you know put the game on the shelf i don't need this huge box with all this extra stuff so yeah. i'd like to downsize a lot of those um Going through the NES library for a second time, I'm realizing like, man, I don't need all these games anymore. Like I played them once. I'm revisiting them now. I know very well which ones I'm going to ever play again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a library I could get pretty significantly after I'm done this book stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like I was going for like a full Dreamcast set. I don't really have the drive to do that anymore. So I might go through that system and just pick the ones I want um and same with a couple other systems right it's kind of like ps2 i went overboard on i, I have like 1200 mm. ps2 games I, um, I could probably be happy with two to three hundred ideally yeah. so yeah <laughs> i always forget how many games there are on the ps2 and i think it was back when i don't know if it was funko land was still printing out the newspaper that lists all the games or it was somebody else there was like some other like store that would print out like their trading prices but I always forget just how the volume of PS2 games that there are. Yeah, there's something like 18 to 1900. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I want to go through every section of my um, collection and uh, keep making it smaller and more functional. Um, I'd love, to, I have got some old computers I'd love to get set up and running. 
um, that I just have no space to do that with right now. Because yep. that's an area that I've I've kind of ignored for a long time. So I want to get more into the the PC stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So like you've sold things in the past before too. Um, do you have any particular good or bad stories that kind of stick out to you? Like, how, like uh, your shipping to arcade machines actually sounds like a pretty good experience from. Yeah, I was I was worried about that. So um, and the the other thing, too, it's like, you know, they ask for and rightly so a lot of pictures up front, a video. Can you show a video of it, of it working? Yes. Here you go. Can you show a video of like all the buttons working? Sure. You know, make sure you, it shows the volume. So like I and the thing is, the machines aren't at my house. They're at my parents basement, which is like, you know, 15, 20 minutes from here. So I would pop over there on on break at work. And, you know, take some pictures and video and stuff and as much as I could. Um, but uh, as I was, you know, kind of getting ready to wrap it and like wrap it up, I was like, oh, wait, I, I never had glass uh, in front of the monitor because I was like, well, I'm like, I don't need it. Like, I'll just I'll just look at the monitor. Right. So I still had the glass. So I like went to like put it back in. And I, and I told him that I was like, listen. I have the monitor glass. I didn't put it in there because I got this like nice, nice thick bezel made with like the move list that like goes around the edge and like they don't both fit in at the same time. And he's like, oh, yeah, like I definitely want the monitor glass because I was like, I was like, honestly, like you can get a gla like a local glass place to cut you like a piece of glass, like tempered glass for like really not a lot of money. And it'll be like, per like perfect and nice and new. But like, no, he wanted the glass, which is fine. So now this adds another uh um a uh, wrinkle where okay now i gotta have this and he wants the glass installed so now i gotta take the bezel like wrap it and like protect it in cardboard get it in the box of the machine fill the inside with like bubble wrap <laughs> um i had like extra pieces you know that i wanted to give him like the keys the locks the casters and also like when you put an arcade machine on a semi and it rumbles you know for oh, two thousand miles time, yeah. like stuff stuff's gonna happen like i don't I, like I, I i told him i was like listen i will show you a million videos of it working i'll tell you right now something's gonna need to be like fixed or tweaked or like you know like verified like when, when it gets there oh and also one of them uh this i don't for for people that don't have arcades there's a little pcb that has some monitor adjustment pieces it's called a remote board it sits uh like right above the control panel so that you can adjust, you know, the monitor like height and width and like some some minor color things while you can see it as opposed to being behind. So I didn't realize until I, I went to start selling them that one of them was missing the remote board. So I had to buy a remote board and then one of them like the color, the red wasn't always working. So I found that there was this um, solder joint that was a cold solder joint. So like when I pulled the pin a certain way, the red would go away. So I had to take that off. I had to reflow the solder on it. So like I did a bunch of repairs on it, but I really was afraid that it was going to get up there and that I was going to get this call like, hey, like, you know, the glass is smashed or like this is missing or like this doesn't work. And like he's like, yeah, like um, there's a like it got there is a case stuff's here. looks good. There's a guy um, who like runs like a like an arcade repair shop. Like he's gonna come over this week and like help me with like the the few things that are like still like outstanding. Um, also, as a way to smooth over any you know like potential things that weren't going well, 
I withheld the Mortal Kombat 2 marquee to have it signed by Carlos Piscina at Retro Worlds. So then in case he was like, oh, like, you know, like this is missing or something. I wanted to make sure that I had like a little piece of goodwill. Like, hey, I, I, I got this for you. So it got there and he was like, hey, I can't find the MK2 marquee anywhere. And then I told him, I was like, hey, I held it back. I'm going to have Carlos sign it because the, the MK1 marquee was signed by Daniel and uh, Rich Divizio. So he was like, oh, that's super awesome, man. Thank you so much. So anyway, like two weeks later, he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I've been on vacation. We haven't even done it yet. You know, another week goes by and uh, I finally got the confirmation from him. He's like, everything's good. Everything's working. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. But yeah, I was super, super nervous about like that dollar amount and that amount of stuff going. So that that's really probably my best uh, um, my best overall story. Um, there's a. Uh, uh, most of the other stuff that I've moved, um, there hasn't been like one big, you know, kind of sale besides that one. A lot of it actually has been, um, over the years, just at retro worlds, I'll just like pack up like a box of like rando stuff because RF gen will get a uh, table there and I'll kind of move some stuff there. Uh, maybe, you know, like hit some friends up with some, with some good deals. I typically do, um, like price charting minus 10% because the eBay fees are like 14% anyway, and people typically don't like to pay price charting. They want to feel like they're getting a deal unless they're like super aggressively after something. And then they're like, oh, I'll pay like, you know, like I'll pay what it is. Um, so yeah, the uh, the arcade's probably the best one. And uh, uh, yeah, I was really hoping to, you know, find someone who needed all the silver boxes all at once, especially since uh, uh, we got some some ones that you just i mean it's it's I, I i hesitated to call it complete because when you look up complete nes silver box set there's not really like a definitive list like and a lot of times people include ninja turtles 3 because the spine is silver but when you look <laughs> at the front of that game like that's not a silver box very anymore. different get out, yeah. get, get out of here with that but then there's stuff like people won't mention you know like lone ranger or like you know like some random ones like that and i'm like you're crazy like it's got even though there's like overlap like the it's there all the hallmarks are there right yeah Yeah, it's so um so yeah but uh but yeah that's that's probably my best one i mean the the bad stories there's nothing really that stands out um besides the stuff that you would expect like anywhere like the facebook marketplace um is this available and then never hear from again uh, for the rest of your life. Um, I don't know if that's as big a thing up there as it is here, but man, is this available or okay, like I'll come this weekend and then never hear from again. Right. Uh, yeah, my only recent, I wouldn't call it bad, it's been more amusing than bad, but I posted the Virtual Boy demo kiosk on a local, uh, or not local, a Canada-wide uh, group, just like, hey, does anybody know what these things are worth? Um, this is what's wrong with the one eye piece right now but i have all the keys and everything kind of took some pictures just looking for some help finding some info on it and i didn't get much help but i got a lot of interest in people buying it and most of them knew what it was and were just trying to get it for as cheap as they could which i don't blame them and i had a little bit of fun with it but one guy was just like like i had very public offers of two thousand dollars from it like right in the thread so I figured that would be people's baseline. Like, hey, there's three guys willing to pay that in its current condition. Why would you offer less than that? Mm-hmm. And so this guy offers me, a, he's like a thousand bucks. You have until the end of the day to decide. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, like, I've, I've already got offers better than that, but I appreciate the interest. And then, like, two days go by, and he's like, because nobody stepped up, he's like, I'll give you one more day, $1,000. <laughs> and I, like, I clicked on his bio, and the, the thing that irks me about that is he runs a store. Mm. He's not a collector. Like, he's just trying to grab it off someone who he thinks is uninformed and, and flip it really quick in his store which yeah, is a, I, a crummy way to do business uh, I, yeah, I totally kind of respect that even if he was just a collector just trying to like get a deal to, to take it home and fix it up kind of thing but yeah that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah i remember you telling this on the discord um and uh and people were like oh you should block him and you're like i'm fine like i'm having fun with it it's not you know <laughs> it's not ruining yeah. my day I, I was thinking if i want to be like uh petty about it like once it's fixed and i post it for sale with a price I'll, I'll like post it in the same group and be like hey i got it fixed this is what i'm looking for everyone accept and then i'll tag the guy please <laughs> feel free to make offers <laughs> yep you know, it's and and younger younger pettier me would do that. Like w- like random people would like eBay message you like, oh this price is too high, Ugh. and I'm like, listen, <laughs> you know, like it's honestly like, and, and you know, I I don't want to reason with these people because like they're not reasonable, but like I want to say to them sometimes, be like, yeah, you know, like I I I put it up high because I you know I'd like to make some money off it, and or maybe it's something because like I've listed stuff before where I'm like. I don't really want to sell it, but if I could get this for it, I'd, I'd let mm-hmm. it go. So I'll put it up for the crazy price. If it doesn't go, I'll take it down. I'll keep it. It's not a problem. So, so when I listed my all my PC stuff, I listed about 50 games, and I actually had a guy message me the very next morning. He's like, I looked through all your new listings, and it looks like you got most of them priced to sell. He's like, but you way undervalued this one. He's like, you should, you should bump this up. I've never seen it sell for that cheap. <laughs> and so I just messaged him back. I'm like, I, that's fine. Someone will get a deal then. Like, I'm happy with all these prices. I, I've I've said that to Chris before. I used to go to his store, and this was ages ago. He's probably adjusted his prices by now. But when he was fairly new, I saw a game, and I was like, dude, like you're selling that for like a third of what I've seen it like selling for. And he's like, oh, you know what, man? Like, that'll be awesome. Someone's gonna come in here, and they're gonna be stoked to get it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool of you. So so uh, that was that's uh, and the same thing like um. I'm, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've, I typically price stuff. Um, and, and we'll probably talk about, actually, I guess we talk about it now, like the, the different marketplaces we're using. Like you already mentioned mm-hmm. eBay. I mentioned Facebook marketplace. Now this isn't video game stuff, but I just wanted to mention it just because we've talked about Lego on the, the show before the primary Lego only marketplace is called Bricklink. And I didn't know about it before I kind of got into Lego and I thought of it as just a site that people sold um, just like loose parts. Um, but honestly, it's what it, it, in the Lego world, people do not use eBay to determine value. Like it happens maybe a little bit when a site's when a set is brand new and they want to move it. But all of this, like I have all these like, you know, free gift with purchase sets and I have a bunch of sets that I've built and I'm like, okay, you know what? Now that I'm going to focus my collection on Star Wars, let me disassemble these things, put them in bags. I go to Bricklink and I can look at the average price for the last three or six months for, you know, new, uh, used, complete, incomplete. Like I can, I can say um, uh, filter by uh, local currency. So I can look at stuff that was just sold out of the United States, which is really helpful. I can say hide incomplete sets. So if I know mine is complete, I can just immediately hide that. And I look at that number 
And so if I, if the average for the last, you know, six months has been like $23, I'll list it at like $21.99. And within two days, I'll get an email. It's like, this is sold. Like here, like give, give them the shipping quote. So it, what's so cool about that is the entire world is, or Lego world is looking at BrickLink to no pricing. So they're like, that's the number. So if I'm under that number, I'm doing good. And the whole video game world seems to be looking at price charting, which mainly follows completed eBay auctions. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, I really hate like listing just under the eBay price, like because of that, like 14 plus percent uh, that's going to come off there. Mm -hmm. um, I've had worse experiences with, I've never had a chargeback, but I, I've had people ping me after an eBay, eBay sale goes through, like, this doesn't work. Like, I want a refund. And I'm like, you can ship it back to me, but they, they like, want to, like, keep it um, and have me refund it. Or they're like, I'll ship it back to you. Like, you have to pay the return shipping. And I'm like, that's not what the listing said. Like, the no. listing says that you will pay return shipping. And then they dispute it and they lose, like, thankfully. But, like, I'm always nervous about it. So yeah, I'm just curious. Sure. Uh, so your experience, um, uh, so you listed a bunch on eBay. So do you see that percentage as just, you know, the natural fee for getting, like, as big an audience as possible? Or, like, how do you feel about the local versus the eBay? Um, so just to say like my, the people I've been dealing with on eBay have been wonderful so far. I even had one guy who he's like, I'm in Vancouver, which is my province. So he's like, he's like, you have a, a clue book that's in this game called Veil of Darkness. He's like, I've been waiting for just that clue book to show up for four years. He's like, mm. I have the game. I have every version of the game. He's like that clue book I don't have. He's like, I'll pay you your listing for just the clue book if you remove the <laughs> listing. He's like, and because you're so close, he's like, I'll throw three more games on there. Wow. And so I was like, wow, geez, like, yeah, this is amazing. Uh, so most of my experiences have been like really nice guys in, in uh, yeah. Quebec or uh, uh, Europe. Uh, this cool clue book guy, like people telling me to list my things higher. But <laughs> eBay themselves has been yeah. a nightmare. I haven't used them in years, but I have a profile that's uh, about 20 years old. It's got about 300 transactions, 100% positive feedback, and it's like I'm a new person and they don't trust me because I haven't sold for a couple of years. So first I had to link. Yeah, you were uh, saying something about limiting your like listings or like the dollars. I can't remember the details. So they have a cap uh, of $5,000 or 50 items which I'm over both with my 50 items. So I can't even list everything I wanted to list straight away. Um, I have to link it to my bank account now because they broke ties with PayPal, which, you know, I get it's just frustrating because I have been using PayPal so long. It's, I'm comfortable with it. I want to keep doing it. I've got my accounts that I like to use linked to PayPal still. So it was a real nightmare to go to the bank and get this set up, but I did it. Um, the fees are even higher than I remember now. You're right. They're like 14% when they used to be like, eight when I started and then up to 12, I think when I last sold something. So they've got even higher. Right. Um, they, plus the, plus that like the payment fee is like, and, and that's, that's what's always confusing to me. It's like, okay, is it, is it 14 and then it's over or is it four? They're taking 14, but then there's also going to be like that 3%, you know, from the payment processor. Apparently it's the 14 point, whatever okay. right now. And okay. they, because it's linked to your bank account, uh, they don't 
charge you like they used to. Like they used to give you all the money and then they give you a bill at the end of the month. They're like, here's what you owe us. They just right. take that now and they're like, we'll just send okay. you what's left. Right. Um, they also don't pay you immediately when you're, I don't know, 20 year plus seller. They're just like, mm-hmm. they're like, they sent, and they didn't say anything about this while I was doing the listings, but then the first thing sold and they're like, you'll get your money on January 29th. And I sold the item on like the 10th. And then the next yeah. thing that sells, they're like, you'll get your money on February 14th. I'm like, how are you coming up with these dates even? Like, it's not <laughs> like it's two weeks for each one or a month or whatever. It's like, they're all over the place. So yeah. I've done all these uh, sales now um, and I'm getting money anywhere from like two weeks to a month and a week away, uh, just like in sporadic chunks. Yeah, it's, and I for I I don't pay as close attention to it as I should, but uh, BrickLink is linked to PayPal, so the money will dump in there, and I think it's fairly quick. Um, but Facebook Marketplace, it's like I forget their wording. They're like, we will pay you, um, like like on a rolling schedule, like as you ship your stuff or like as you because because you know they only pay you for stuff that's processed through Facebook uh, payments. Um, but yeah, I've never had a time where I was like, oh, I wonder if that payment's in yet. And then I went to check. I've never had a time where it wasn't there. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just there. So, but yeah, it's funny you say, uh, so my PayPal account, I don't know how old it is. I've had it for a long time. Um, I also have a hundred percent feedback and about 300 transactions on there. Um, I've never listed a boatload of stuff on, uh, on eBay. Um, I've always listed kind of like, you know, fours and fives or like, you know, six, seven, eight uh, items at a time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've, it's possible that I will, you know, tr- and the other thing with, uh, that's worth mentioning too, is, um, Facebook marketplace has a dollar limit on which they will let you ship up to. And then when your item is over that, you can no longer ship it. I forget what it is. It's like five or six hundred dollars. But I had my uh, silver box games listed, and I went to it. I was like, okay, let me add shipping and maybe offers and see if someone nationwide will put in an offer. And it was grayed out. It was like you can't you can't ship items over X dollars on Facebook Marketplace. Uh-huh. So they don't want to they don't want to deal with the uh, uh, the liability or like you know being a middleman and something like that. I'm just gonna pull up that dollar amount real quick so we can say the right thing. Yeah, I, while you're looking that up, like the things like the Virtual Boy kiosk, I thought I was going to sell through eBay, but I'm like, like, no, now, like that's one item I can sell that month and mm. nothing else. Right. And yeah, that 14% is huge and not getting like the, the payments frustrating because with this first wave, people are paying for the shipping and the shipping to like France is like 80 bucks. So they, they pay for the shipping. I would like to use that money to ship it. I don't have a lot of extra funds right now because I'm waiting for these payments to come through. So I have mm-hmm. to do all this out of pocket uh, shipping expense now that it will hopefully get recouped in two to six weeks kind of thing. It's, it's a really frustrating system. Yeah. I'm, I'm not looking forward to having to resort. And the thing is before I resort to eBay, I would, so I'm going to sell whatever I can out of the silver box lot locally and i got a lot Mm -hmm. of interest on twitter and i got a lot of interest from some local facebook groups so i hit all these people i'm like hey like here's the games and like you know i took very detailed pictures um i've got uh imger albums so when someone asks for a game i can shoot them an album that has like eight pictures of that game front back corners you know manual like the whole deal I, i took like one night and like did all the the that stuff 
and a few sold. Um, I shipped some to our buddy engineer Mike, who hopefully should have those within the next month if uh, customs doesn't hang on to it. <laughs> and um, but yeah, like I would rather than list them individually with shipping on Facebook Marketplace because it's just going to be five percent and like you know be done with it as opposed to you know going to ebay for you know possibly a slightly bigger audience and if i went to ebay mm. i would add 15 percent to what i'm asking for you know because yeah I, I think what i've learned is the only thing i'm going to use ebay for is the stuff i cannot sell locally like the old pc games like anything else i'm going to look for other methods whenever possible because it's been a really awful experience right and then um so uh has ha so I, I mentioned i moved a few things locally have you moved anything locally or is, or is most everything been been a shipping so far so last year i did a little uh i did a post i had a whole bunch of guides i went through all my my books and i was like pulled about half of them and and i was able to sell probably a quarter of them uh like actual locally like i didn't even have to ship them like just meet up with people uh, which was awesome and then like you get those really great ones where it's like I've got a weird like Digimon guide and it's like this guy's like 70 bucks like there's no one where I live that wants this dumb Digimon guide for 70 bucks <laughs> and I've had it everything listed for a month and then someone just messages me one day and he's like you still got that Digimon he's like I can come pick it up this afternoon <laughs> heck yes <laughs> so uh it's funny you mentioned guides because I, I was like I kept you know like we say like you know your your special editions it's like I look at them and I'm like yeah, I, I mean, I'm not getting rid of the Final Fantasy Ultimania archive, but like, you know, the Final Fantasy seven guide, it's like, oh, like I, I, I really, I really still like just looking at that guide. Sometimes the first game I played through, like I had the guide for it. So like, I'm not just blank at getting rid of stuff. So I still have my Oblivion and my Skyrim guides, but like a lot of my other guides, like I had recently played through Mass Effect and I didn't think for once for a second about looking at a guide. I might have looked up if I was stuck on the internet real quick. So I had guides for Mass Effect. Um, I had... Uh, Those are thick, thick guides. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had like a, just a whole bunch of, of random guides. I had Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, which I had a feeling would be an expensive one because the game's expensive. Ended up not being too bad. I think it was like 30, 40-ish. It wasn't like nuts. Um, but I was like, you know, like, I thought they would sell on Facebook. Um, nothing locally really moved. I brought them to um, Retro World. And I'm telling you, all of my guides, like within like the first hour of the show being open, the guides were gone. <laughs> and I think it's because maybe no one else had them there, really. But uh, I had them, you know, out on the table and most of them were gone. So that was that was a fun surprise to, to see them go like that. Nice. Did you find what you're looking up there? Uh, I, I didn't. I went to uh, onto Facebook and I went to add shipping to my listing and it's just grayed out. Um, and so I, I know that there's there's a dollar limit um, and I've seen people list before. If you ever see a listing that says like um, where the price is like one dollar or like one, two, three. Mm -hmm. And then in the description of the listing, it'll say in, in like bold caps like that like one dollar is not the price facebook won't ship for let for a listing over this like like message me for shipping which is another can of worms that you might be you know getting into if you're like mm -hmm. going outside the realm of like paying through facebook you probably don't have any protection so i i wouldn't even offer something like that i'm, I'm gonna stay within the rules because last thing i need is someone you know putting a claim out there and 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 leaving you know losing it yeah. but uh, yeah i, I want to say it's like five six hundred bucks that's 
that's what I've kind of seen out there before. But uh... I've got an old Sonic the Hedgehog mascot costume that I, I i posted out there with that virtual boy kiosk i'm like i'm like can anyone tell me anything about this like i'm it's got no tags in it like i don't know what year yeah. it's from it's in decent shape it's just missing a shoe and i kind of got crickets other than one guy's like he's like when you figure out a price let me know he's like i might be interested yeah. uh, so i've actually been watching youtube videos and there's like you know how sonic after like adventure has a really weird fan base mm. so there's people that love sonic mascot costumes and i found a youtuber who did like a whole documentary about like every <laughs> sonic mascot costume so i'm about halfway through it right now but he like started in 1992 and he's like here's all the ones that came out in europe here's all the ones that came out in japan here's all the ones that came out in north america and he's like and this is why they're good and this is why they're bad and then he's like and this one there's only one existing picture of it on the internet and this one and like i've seen like I don't know, 40 different Sonic official mascot costumes wow. now. And I feel like mine is from the adventure age because he's got green eyes and most of the mm-hmm. other ones have uh, just black eyes. Right. Uh, but I still can't find one that's exactly the same as the one I have yet. That's it's it's crazy because you'll, you'll, I, 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 the same thing a little bit because I, I look around and I'm like, so, and just to not go too far off base, what you said before about like, your game room used to be your favorite room and now it like doesn't feel functional. You don't feel like the way like you used to feel. I used to absolutely love just going downstairs and just looking at the games, mm-hmm. walk up to them. Like they were, they were beautiful. And then like, sometimes you would have like a little pile or a box or two and it's like, okay, that's the latest haul. And I just haven't like, you know, cause there's a system, like you got to clean it, got to make sure it looks nice, make sure everything's there, take pictures, put it in RF gen, like whatever. And alphabetize it, you know, like, like get it added to your, like how, whatever your routine is. So that was kind of the extent of it. And then at some point it just gets out of control and like, there's more boxes than you would like. And then, oh, I haven't gotten to that because of this. And, oh, this is the area of stuff that's missing manuals. And like, it just, it starts feeling not claustrophobic, but like I, I get anxiety for like weird, odd things and like. So like things like that will bother me if I'm like, well, you know, this is my, you know, my cool safe space that I can just not worry about stuff. So like I, and then even, so even when I start selling stuff, I like for a while, it's like, okay, here's the stuff I'm selling and I would put it right here. But it was like out in the open, either in like a living space or a workspace or like an office space. And like, I found that it was like bothering me because I couldn't go anywhere and just like relax and like enjoy my evening without just being reminded like, Oh yeah. Like I, that work, I must do this work and like, you know, move this thing out of here. So mm-hmm. I finally set up like a little area. It used to be kind of like what I used for like shipping supplies for like when I was doing Lego uh, raffles, which I'm not really doing too much anymore, but I've got like all shelves in there set up now. So now when something is listed for sale on the internet or locally somewhere, it goes into this room on a shelf and like, I know where it is and that door is shut. And now I come out to like the rest of my, you know, life and world and everything. And like the stuff that's on sale clutter, isn't like, you know, encroaching on, on the right. other stuff, which is great. So now I, it has the other added benefit of like, I can go visit the games that I still have. I can like enjoy them, but then I'll look at things and I'm like, Ooh, you know what? Now that I can see all this stuff, you know, like clearly, and it's nice and organized. I now realize I don't care about those. And then, you know, it, then, then the, it kind of goes from there. So some of the stuff that I've had a hard time with, um, because I, I, I haven't had anyone 
uh, no interest locally and they're difficult and can be expensive to ship are system boxes. Um, so I thought that these would do well, maybe at like at the expo and they're, they're even hard to do there because like they take up so much space in the vehicle, you know? So it's like, it's, 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 and like when you're walking around a show, like who wants to, you know, like carry some, you know, big box around. So they're, they're just, they're just tricky for a lot of different reasons. And back when I got rid of a bunch of consoles, I kept the boxes because I was like, oh, they're cool. They're big, you know, like they're they look cool up there. And I've I've found that I'm having difficulty moving these, which has been kind of crazy. <laughs> and then there's also um, I got um, I have two boxed Atari 5200 Super Systems um, complete, like some of them, you know, like that, like plastic protective uh, coating that like you peel off yeah. like one of them still has that Whoa. And I'm, like, oh, I'm like oh this thing is is gonna be like this thing's gonna be nuts and again wanting to avoid ebay i was like let me take some pictures let me post it locally and same thing just like you were saying before with like oh you know when you have a price in mind let me know but like no like real interest so that might be like on the ebay pile and my father-in-law a while ago gave me his boxed um, complete Odyssey 2, kind of with the caveat of like, you know, like we're, we're, we're getting rid of stuff. We're clearing some storage space out. But like, I know you're a collector. I know you're going to hold on to it. It'll be you know like safe in your hands. So like with him kind of saying that, I'm like, uh, like I don't want to sell a thing that he gave to me because he wants it to be on a shelf in a, in a video game person's house. So like I kind of haven't even like looked up prices for that. Cause it's like not on like my selling radar, but it's just the things I think about when I look at, all right, what is the potential for stuff to move here? But more than anything else, it's like, I want to move the stuff that I have listed already. Mm-hmm. I will drop price a little bit to move it, but then there is a point at which I'm like, okay, I should just, delist that move on and come back to it at some point so it doesn't doesn't seem like you've had to uh, do that it seems like you, you've been moving stuff pretty well so far well i've only been at it for a couple weeks now so we'll mm-hmm. see like I, all the pc stuff i have listed uh whatever's still there at the end of the month i'm probably gonna like drop it all 10 bucks and then i'll just mm-hmm. keep doing that until it finds a home because uh yeah i don't want to keep it i want to make sure it goes yep very cool yeah and like I'm actually been surprised too that I put every single thing I listed I put up with the best offer. Yeah. Every single thing I've sold has been for the full listing price. Nobody's made an offer. They've all just bought now. And I yeah. like I absolutely would have accepted ten to twenty bucks lower on a lot of them. And and when I list things, it's always like you know like will you like allow people to make offers? And I I rarely turn that on just for the fact that I'm like uh, you know I don't want to just give money away if if you know, there's a person, you know, willing to pay what I'm asking. But uh, so usually what I'll do is I'll list it without that. And then the first thing I'll do before I drop the price is I'll add offers. And then usually within a week or so, I'll get an offer. But um, I think I think dropping the uh, it's interesting to hear that uh, everyone is just bought without like, yeah, uh, like the only only thing they do to save money is to the Kate, like what is combined shipping? Like mm. I'd, he's like, I, I'll pay you full price. I don't want to pay the post office like more yep. than I need to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's and that's what it is on on Bricklink. Getting back to Lego real quick. That's why um, a lot of times, if it's just like you know a few simple parts, you can put in a range of like, okay, if the weight of because the Bricklink knows the stats of every like Lego part and set that's that's available, so you can tell on your store settings, you can say, 
if it's, you know, less than this size or less than this weight, here's the shipping, you know, type stuff. But then for like multiple sets, there's this option where you can say request quote. So I'll get an email that says you have a new order. It's for these three items. And then I just have to get the shipping together and tell and invoice them to say, hey, it's four bucks. And then and then it goes. But, uh, but yeah, combined shipping is uh, um, that's the that's the reason why um, I don't like. I don't typically like listing games one at a time. I like to make uh, I like to make drafts if I'm doing stuff on eBay, especially. So I'll do like drafts for like, you know, 10, 15, 20 different things. And then when they're all ready, I'll publish them all. And then I'll have this little copy and paste thing that's like, oh, like check my other listings, like ask for combined, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. And then again, to stay within the rules of Facebook and to not be dealing with like kind of side deals. If someone's like, if I have four separate listings and someone's like, I want these four things, I will create a list. I'll, uh, I'll create a listing with those four things. I'll make the price like astronomically high. Uh, and then I'll turn on offers and I'll tell them like, here's the listing, make me the offer for this. And then I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Cause what I don't want to happen is I make that listing. Someone else buys it. And they're like, oh, like what, you know, like what happened to my thing? So like, that's like the, just the way that I make sure that the person that is, you know, trying to buy the thing is the one that is, is able to get it. But, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try, uh, adding that offer button on, on some more stuff. See what happens. They have like a, a mode now where you can like set a limit. Like there were, you just ignore any offers under a certain amount too. So if you yes. like, yeah, this things, that, I yeah. want 150 bucks for it. You can say, just ignore anything under 50 bucks. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. Cause, uh, and then that way it just gets rid of the people who are going to offer you, you know, a third of whatever you're asking, mm-hmm. but you do still get the, the, the direct messages for the, um, yes. I had the, the silver box games listed at like, I don't know, like two grand or something for, for all of them. And then uh, I got this message that was like, I think it's, I think the message was like, just said 600. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, oh. and oh. I said, for what? <laughs> and they were like, Oh, like, aren't you selling the, like the silver box, like the NES he, games? He just wanted was like, the silent service. That's the only one yeah. he wanted. And I, yeah. And I was like, I was like, are you offering me $600 for all of the games? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun one. Actually, let me, let me, let me, let me pull up, see if I have, it. I really don't have too many, like, you know, of those like horror story type things. Like, like you said, for the most part, people are, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I have found that like even in these big groups with like tens of thousands of people that are like retro game collectors and like, hey, here's these hard to find, uh, complete, some of them in very good condition games, 10% under price charting. They're not flying off the shelf. Like, you know, a lot of people ask about Castlevania. So I'm very glad that uh, um, uh, Mike was able to, to grab those because that's the one I got asked about the most is Castlevania 1 and 3. Um, and um, oh, poor Simon's Quest. Yeah, just kind of the middle child, <laughs> just sitting there eating wall chicken. Um, but yeah, like they're like you know, lots of impressions, lots of views, lots of clicks. But like, I I still think that there's this like fundamental thing about uh, game collectors, especially where yeah, they like their thing, but they want the deal. Like they yeah. want that story of like, I got $9,000 worth of stuff for 40 bucks. Like they want that yard sale story or. Well, it's like, also to the 8-bit markets really cooled from my understanding. Like 
the best time to sell it was like three four years ago and, and it's kind of mm. uh peaked and, and gone downhill a bit since then really like it's like not price-wise just like as far as like a little bit price-wise too or... like the the really? expensive stuff and the like complete in box stuff is still holding its value but yeah. everything else is going down slightly now interesting okay yeah i had uh i'm, I'm looking through my some of my facebook messages now one was um for a non-video game related thing but it's one of these like you know can i come pick up this weekend and i'm like yeah sure and haven't heard anything else and earlier today i was like you still coming (laughs) (laughs) nothing so but yeah i can't find the i can't find the exact one i'm looking for but uh but yeah and then there was even a few people where they were like oh yeah i'm interested in like this game this game this game and i'm like yep here we go like here are the pictures here's the price it's on and i was like it's 10% 10% under price charting, you know, like I'll, I'll even do a deal like for doing like a few and I had like five or six of those and each one I got back to it when they came back and they were like, they're like, yeah, like the, the price are good. Like I'm going to pass. I'm like, okay. Like but <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. Like, cause I don't know if they feel like they're going to get a better deal, but that's the only thing you think is they're interested. They asked about it. They know the price good, but they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm good. Um, so we like we've been saying price a lot, and everyone I think that's in the collecting sphere kind of knows that over the pandemic, especially prices have like really skyrocketed to some unbelievable highs. Um, like, how did what was your thoughts when you were looking up the price of your Silverbox games? Because you probably you've had those for more than five years. Long like, time, yeah. Long yeah. and I and and I've looked up some prices just out of curiosity. Like I've mentioned before, I'm not getting rid of Spider-Man: Web of Fire. It was a gift and it completed my uh, 32x set. But like just out of curiosity, I looked it up and it's like, man, like that that might be the single most valuable game that I that I still own. But uh, I hadn't looked up NES stuff um, in a long time. So when I was just kind of like, cause my first thought was like, Oh, I wonder if the silver box games would have enough value to kind of you know, like put towards the tattoo. And then, you know, so you, st- I, I have them alphabetical. So I look at bio belly and it's like, okay, like 30 bucks, blades of steel, 45. Okay. You know, like these are whatever. Um, and then Castlevania, I'm like, okay, it's up there, you know, like, like in, you know, at least we're in three digits now. Um, but then there was a couple that was like, um, Contra, I was not expecting to be a two hundred plus dollar game, uh, complete, um, be, and it's one of these that like, I don't, I don't know if there's any rule of thumb really because they're probably all over the place, but I I used to think like, okay, well if loose it's this, then complete it's going to be about this, and like I don't feel like Konami is like an eighty hundred you know like hundred and twenty dollar card unless I'm you know missing something there i remember i feel like i've seen it in most yeah slots that are in I, people's basements i think you're right back in the day when we were collecting it was like a cart's a third of the price and a manual yeah. is a third of the price and a box is a third of the price and now it's like a card is like 10 percent of the price yeah <laughs> it's like a 15 dollar game um but it's like oh manual oh well it's this and then the box so yeah so i wasn't expecting the contra average to be 210 I was not expecting the Lone Ranger to be 200 and the Lone Ranger's got a big swing. There are some that are like selling for 180 and some that are selling for 275 
and it's it's not even so much completeness it seems to be really based on condition and my lone ranger is one of my uh best uh quality uh games along with king's quest which is no slouch at like a hundred um, or so dollars um definitely wasn't expecting stinger to be almost 200 stinger that, like that one i knew was pricey that's like yeah. any of the early uh stuff uh when it's complete um really jumps up there yeah so i mean i had this stuff listed um as a set originally at like slightly overpriced charting because you know the convenience of getting all the games at once plus i mean paying for shipping for all these games one time as opposed to you know like getting them all mm -hmm. like over you know so i i think i had them right around 2000 i had an offer the offer that ended up falling through was for 23 um but uh yeah so and a little time went by I, and actually my, my, a good friend of mine who um i used to work with at best buy who's become like a big big player in like buying and selling uh, game collections in a lot of these high roller clubs um he saw the listing on facebook and he texted me he's like hey take down that listing i'm gonna call you and he called me and he was like and uh the thing with him is uh he's a great guy but like and, he, and he's honest he doesn't run a store or anything but he's very much um he's like listen i'm gonna be straight with you he's like i'm i'm buying this like i'm, I'm going to be selling it so he's like basically like you just tell me like what your pain point is like what your dollar amount that you'd be good with and like if it works for me, like, you know, so I told him, I was like, yeah, like I'm up at, you know, like in the 19, like 2000 range. And he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to do that because you know, he's gonna be selling them. Um, but he's like, yeah, it's like, just, uh, if, if you end up really wanting to sell it all at once, let me know, like I'll buy it. But like, you know, obviously it's going to have to be lower than that. So after getting all this, um, attention, uh, and, and people like, Hey, if you end up selling X, Y, Z game, like, let me know. I went back to him and I was like, listen, I've gotten so many people interested in individual games that I, I, I didn't want to sell them individually at first, but like, I think that's what I'm going to do now. He's like, all right, man, I appreciate you letting me know. No problem. So made the sale with engineer Mike made two other small sales on like, you know, like uh, the two blades of steel games. Um, one guy bought them both. And then like, it was like one other um, like NASCAR, like nothing big. But all of the other like people that were like, oh, I'm interested, uh, they all fell through. So or they were all like, oh, like, no, I'm going to hold off. So now I'm kind of at this weird spot where I'm like, well, you know, do I list the entire thing on eBay as like, you know, like one big shot and see if I <laughs> two can thirds of the Konami solar box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, or just, you know, like, you know, lot of 17, you know, Konami silver box games, whatever. So. So we'll see because I I always will take I will take a small hit for less work but like I really don't want to take a, a a big hit but yeah your original question of like uh, some of the prices were super surprising and then some of them I was like man poor Jack Nicklaus can't get like more than ten bucks for his complete golf game I guess uh, it's the worst it, is it the worst golf game on the NES. It's pretty rough because it has to like it's got those like three D graphics. So every time you hit the ball, it like takes a minute to like draw out mountains and then draw out some trees, <laughs> then draw out the water, then draw out the clouds, and then you play and you hit the ball one time and then it's like okay you moved and so now it has to redraw mountains, redraw. The... So just playing like one round of golf takes like yeah. <laughs> ten times longer than any other golf game. I'm sure at the time, like it looked really good, but yeah, it's mm -hmm. maybe not the, the system it should have come out on. Yeah. 
So how about you? So was there anything? And, and I think I feel like you have your finger on the pulse of the market a little bit more closely than I do. So, so were so was everything kind of where you thought, or, or what stood out to you? So because I did the store for five years and did like pretty serious collecting for like fifteen years prior to that, I like I was able to price things in my head. Like people would come into the store and be like, "I've got these ten games," and like, boom, I can give you one hundred and eighty bucks for that. I didn't even have to look the, things up. The guy, well, the, the record store near me, uh, Jerosa Records. I'll go there. I'm like, "Hey, I got a crate." Like my grandpa gave me this, and like just like that, like he takes a record. Like bare hands, flips it out, looks it around. He's like, "Ooh, yeah." It's like, it's like we see this a lot, but not in this shape. He's like, "That's that's you know, eighteen bucks." Or, yeah, like so. He's it's crazy, yeah. but like with with like dozens of records over different decades. He's like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what this is and this version and stuff." Yeah, that that was me in t- up to twenty eighteen, and wow. man, now I feel like I've just started collecting for the first time in my life because nothing <laughs> makes sense or is the price I feel like it should be anymore. <laughs> Because, I mean, I was only, because the only stuff I ever look at is hockey games, to purchase is hockey games. Mm-hmm. So I have an idea of what the hockey games that I don't own go for. Right. Um, and I know that computer uh, PC is all over the place because a lot of it is scarcity. A lot of it is like, you know, guys like me, like when I went to Retro World last year and I mentioned to someone that I, I play, I mean, I collect uh, hockey games. One of the guys was like, he's like, oh, are you in that Facebook group? And I was like, what Facebook group? And he showed me like, there's like a Facebook group of people just like me. And all they do is collect oh. hockey video games. And at first I was like, oh, my people. And then afterwards I was like, oh, my competition. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, um, uh, I did not know really any prices coming into this. So I, I thought that you would, uh kind of be in that same boat but i guess since you've kind of been out of it um professionally for a little bit it was so a much has changed in such a short time it's not like that gradual growth that we could like kind of anticipate back in the day like there's been so many like spikes and drops and and things just like doubling overnight and i i definitely can't keep track of it and it, it blows my mind just from like because yeah, like we were talking about in our Discord the other day. Uh, there's a couple of guys who are like, I need little Samson. I need little Samson. And they're talking about yep. card only. I've got yep. a complete box when I looked up. And it's like three times what I think it should be. Like, yeah, it's insane how much some of these games have jumped. Well, and so that was, I, I, I like to, that's one of my more proud moments. So I like to poke Chris whenever little Samson comes up in conversation. Um, so, uh, uh and he he's uh was very very nice um just for people who who don't remember the story i found a little samson for essentially nothing it was like included in a lot that i i basically like the the what i sold the stuff in the lot like paid for like what i paid for and little samson was in it and i called crabby up and i was like listen like i think this is the one that like he's always said like he's never going to be able to get and i was like I think I'm just going to send it to him. Like it didn't cost me anything. Like I know I could sell it for some bucks. So I sent it to him and he was like, this isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, would you put a sticker on an RBI baseball or something? So, but like, and then he just started sending me stuff. And uh, and after a little while I was like, you don't have to send me stuff anymore. We're good. (laughs) But I was just so glad to be able to, you know, get some, cool big thing uh uh you know over to a buddy but uh yeah when you see some of the and i remember when back when we were seriously still collecting all of us 
I would always ask you about like, oh, like how did you get this game, this game, and this game? And I was doing it the opposite of you. I was going after like the cheaper stuff that I could afford first. And you were like, yeah, I went after a lot of heavy hitters early. Yeah. So I don't have like as much heavy stuff. I have maybe stuff that's a little bit harder to find here and there. And I remember I would find like a random cart for you. Like I sent you like a Pugsley and maybe like, a, what was it? A, a, mm-hmm. a Kicks um, or like something similar. Yeah. Oh, no, no, actually, I think I found kicks at the flea market with Ray in, in Florida when I went down uh, there. A cu- 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 cubics or, like, I remember some, like, weirdo, like, one-word puzzle game. Um, if I saw the name, uh, I'd remember Puznik, it. maybe? P- Puznik, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. But, yeah, I, I remember, like, it's oh, it was a, it was it's kind of like finding a Mortal Kombat thing for Anthony when you're out. You're like, oh, do you have this? And he's like, yeah. no, I need that. So, <laughs> it's like, did I find a cart that Travi doesn't have? So, um... Yeah, my last 100 was actually really fun because it was all just, like, weird, obscure stuff, but wasn't expensive stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, now people who are like, hey, I'm really looking for, you know. And that's the thing is, like, back when I thought I knew what was rare and expensive, like, I assume the stuff that was rare and expensive 10 years ago is still rare and expensive, probably just more expensive. But um, there's, there's always some other... weird changes, yeah. Yeah, there's there's always stuff creeping, and there's always ones that were just never on my radar, like Bonk's Adventure and Flintstones and Jetsons and Rescue Rangers. I just never thought about those. They just weren't, you know, stuff that. Uh, those are all ones about. I got really early because I mm. anticipated them getting out of hand. Yeah. I because I got Ducktales two and Chippendale two from the same guy on Nintendo Age, uh, for fifty bucks a piece shipped, wow. like way back in the day. Um, and then I think I got like uh, Flintstone Surprise of Dinosaur Peak the next week for like a hundred bucks shipped, and like those weren't good deals. Those were the highest price at the time. Yeah, and and that's what I think about a lot when I'm listing my stuff now, and people are like, "Oh, it's too much," and like you can't say this is so because like you can't sell for next year's market, right? Mm. But at the same time, like I just like imagine like or just think of it. everyone's got that story where like you were at a video game store. And I saw Bubble Bobble Two for one hundred and ten dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, mm, "It's it's a it's a bit much." And yeah, it was a bit much in that day's market. It's not a bit much anymore, right? So no. like, I really, I'm I'm almost banking a little bit on someone seeing these and being like, "You know what? It's I don't I don't I don't think those are going." Buy down. Billy's going to be two hundred dollars next year. I got to get that now. Yeah, they're special uh, uh, special neck edition. They're going to update the artwork. (laughs) So, but to tie that back into the overall conversation, um, it is definitely a motivation now that I'm seeing some of these prices because, like I said, I want to put some of this into a business venture. It's not a cheap business venture. So the more money I can make, the quicker I can make it awesome. Like, yeah, it helps take the sting out of, you know, selling some of the stuff I didn't initially plan on selling when I got it. Yeah. Well, and you were saying before that you're trying to sell like, you know, big stuff because it takes the most space. Mm-hmm. But then also, would you since the, since the money is valuable and going towards something that you're uh, passionate about doing, does it also come into play big dollar items because it's low effort for large reward for something? Very like, much uh, like that yeah. uh, demo kiosk, uh, that Nintendo World of Nintendo sign. Um, like I've been watching those on eBay for the last couple of months to keep track of them because that's not a typical item. And they're listed anywhere from six grand to 10 grand. Um, 
depending on condition and, and location and stuff i just don't know how to ship something of that size which is yeah. an issue but yeah it, it helps make everything easier if i can just figure out how to ship it that's the only like yeah. big concern but to free up that much room and get that much funds at the same time is uh just a huge bonus yeah i've only had to create one thing to ship it one time like i made a um uh, a countertop arcade machine. It was a custom countertop arcade machine. I remember that, yeah. That I put the hockey uh, stuff on, and I was like, "There's no way for me to ship this, even like wrapped in bubble wrap, where it won't get destroyed." And at work, we had we partnered with a freight company, so I was like, "Hey, got, like they were there one day, and I was like, "Hey, could you just tell me how much it would be to like crate and ship that?" And we have a big industrial scale there, scale there, and they measured it, so like. I hit the guy who was asking about it. I didn't tell him what the what the shipping would be. I was just like, here's the number, like, to your front door. And I, like, combined, like, you know, like, what the crating and shipping was plus what I wanted. And he agreed. And uh, that's another cool thing uh, similar to the arcade games where it's like, all right, now I don't personally have to wrap this thing up. You point the, you know, shipping company that shows up. You're like, that's it. And they crate it, which is... We're more limited where I live. Like the the guy, one of the guys, I think it was a guy in Denmark that I shipped to recently. He was like, hey, he's like, your shipping's a little higher than I'm used to. He's like, here's these three companies. He's like, you, I know what the game the size of is. He's like, if you can get a box that's a little bit bigger, pack it up. I know what it'll weigh. He's like, it should cost this much. And I'm like, you're probably right. None of those three companies live in my city. Like we don't have mm. those options, unfortunately. So I'm like, I have these two options. One of them's two hundred dollars, and one of them's ninety dollars. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like, I, I understand. I, he's like, I live in a small place too. He's like, I'll take the ninety dollar one. I, I forget who I was talking to about this, um, but uh, oh, it was a uh, Rich because uh, Rich was asking me, he's like, who do you use for shipping? Like I, I forget how we got on that, and I was like, uh, I like I used to you know like buy shipping labels through PayPal or through eBay or like whatever the the shipping vendor was, and somebody turned me on to a shipping solution called Pirate Ship. And I'm really sorry to bring up the word pirate on a call How with dare uh, you. just the two of us. <laughs> no. On my episode of, of all yeah. episodes. Where'd he, where'd he go? He was just here. <laughs> so so pirateship.com um, is the absolute best shipping solution I've ever used. Um, I, I don't know what the status of it is in Canada. Um, Probably but, not uh, legal, though, from the sounds of it. Yeah, right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a trip, but, uh, um, so I'll tell you it is for, so, and we had used stamps.com back in the Etsy days because there was integration with Etsy. So like you would open up the stamps.com software and all the Etsy orders would just be in there. You would just go on stamps.com and just say four ounces for all of them and just bam, 30 labels would print out. So that was awesome. But stamps.com costs like, I don't know, 12, 15 bucks a month or something. So pirate ship is absolutely free ships anywhere in the world. You put in the package dimensions like you would expect to on any other shipping solution. Um, and it will give you the cheapest between like postal service, FedEx, UPS, like all these companies. Uh, the rate has always been the lowest of like like it'll show you like the retail rate and then like it'll show you like what they'll give you they have the, these negotiated lower rates it's insane like like uh, something i'll get like a hundred and ten dollar like uh a, like the the lego millennium falcon that like it's like a 32 by 17 by 20 you know like a 31 pound box 
UPS, like right on their website with all the, the details in there. It's like, yeah, this is going to be $110 to ship from like Connecticut to California. You put it in pirate ship, $35. And I'm like, Whoa. no, there's no way. I'm like, there's no way. And then sure enough, like 35 bucks. And then, and then I'm like, okay, well, like I, let me add insurance to it. Right. So let me add $900 of insurance. Cause the thing costs eight fifty. $900 of pirate ship insurance because the carrier insurance is, is a pain. And it's like, all right, that's like another like $6. I'm telling you it's, it's in, and the more expensive it is, like the bigger the discount is. Cause for small stuff for like a, you know, a $12, you know, retail package, it's probably between like eight and 10 bucks. So it's like a save a few dollars, but uh pirate ship has been amazing. And I know this isn't going to be a selling point for you, but their their support is they show up at your front door in full costume. So so their support is awesome. I've only ever had to do the chat with them, but you but you open up the support chat and they're no. like and they're like, Ahoy Captain. Uh, why can't it they be do. like spaceship.com or something? Why do you have to be pirate? Spaceship. So um but yeah, and the other and like there's and like we were talking about the idiosyncrasies and the quirks with Final Fantasy Four earlier. This site has quirks, but they all are in the positive. So, like, my my least favorite thing about, like, you know, putting stuff into shipping software, it's like, okay, now I got to copy the name, and now I got to paste the name, and I got to copy the street, and I got to paste this. So, Pirate Ship has this option right up top that's like, oh, like, paste, and you can do them individually, but they have this box up at the top, and it's like, paste the entire address here, and you put it there, and it just puts all this stuff, like, where it's supposed to oh, go. Yeah, so, it's, nice. so, it's one copy and paste. I always look at it just to make sure I did it correctly. And then just at the bottom, it's, um, you know, like size of the package, what the type of service, you know, irregular. Does it qualify for media mail? And they'll show you that. And then you can also save a package. So if you're sending it a lot. So now once I've sent like the same thing, then I'll, I just paste the person's address in there, save package, Millennium Falcon, go. And, oh, my God, it's so it's so good. I, I can't tell you enough how good it is. And I know that pirates are a sore spot. Um, but uh, if anyone out there does not have an aversion to pirates, um, I would highly recommend checking out pirate ship. There was another one, uh, Mon- monkey, like shipping monkey or something like that. Have you ever heard of that one? No. Uh, there's another one that's got monkey in the name. Um, I want to say ship monkey. Uh, it is ship, uh, ship monkey. Not ship money. Uh, I can't remember. But, the, but the, the problem I had with this one is it was supposed to be like the lowest possible rates, but it was kind of like, what's that website where like you can like you can book like hotels and stuff at like low prices, but it like doesn't tell you what hotel it is until you book it. <laughs> so it's, it's like that. Either. Like you go to this shipping service and it's like, OK, here's what I want to send. Here's the details and everything. And they're like, all right it's going to be $13 and you're like, Oh, awesome. And then you click. Okay. And it's like, all right, it's Matt's freight company out of Berlin, Connecticut. It's going to, you got to drop it off there. It's 40 minutes away. And it's like, wait a minute. No, like I, I don't want to use that. I want to use like an actual shipping carrier. So, but yeah, pirate ship uses like actual legit carriers that you would, that you would yeah. regularly use. I'll, I'll have to see if they have a Canadian branch. Yeah. <laughs> they can sail the Hudson Bay up here. <laughs> well, it, it would just be a uh, uh, pirate ship to see if it exists, right? Probably, probably that's is, is everything up there CA or you probably um, not everything, but a fair amount. 
Ooh, there's I, I looked at I looked up Pirate Ship Canada and the first thing is there's a Pirate Ship amusement park in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> nope. All right, that's okay. I'll look into that later. I'm actually curious if there's a, a similar Canadian service like that. Mm. Um, the last thing I think that we have notes for here, um, you added like the PayPal, Venmo, Cash App um, kind of stuff. I've only used PayPal. I've never used mm. Venmo or Cash App. So you'll have to walk me through what those are even all about. Yeah, so Cash App, I do not believe is available officially in Canada. Um, and I, I know that from my um, just dealings in the Lego raffle world. Venmo is an extremely common uh, uh, cash sharing uh, app uh, in the States. Um, I don't know how popular it is in Canada. Um, for the longest time, it was like PayPal. And like that was the only thing. And... It, it was like if you were a person that like shops online, especially eBay, you probably had a PayPal. But if you weren't, you probably didn't. And Venmo kind of bridged that gap where like people who weren't online eBayers would have Venmo. And it just became one of these things where like if four or five friends went out to lunch and one person like uh, uh, like, oh, like I'll pay just Venmo me. And then because you could. um you could just shoot someone a Venmo request with just their phone number and it would text them. And if they had a Venmo account, like it would just, you know, like it would send to their, like, you know, the request to their Venmo on the app. If they didn't have an account, it would send them a text message. It's like, Hey, here's where you download and like start using this app. Um, so yeah, it became very popular. Um, it's works very, very similar to PayPal and Apple payments where you have like a wallet amount that you're like, you have like a balance in, you can um, withdraw it to a bank account. You can get like a Venmo debit card that you can spend the money from. Um, I don't know of any websites where you can pay with Venmo. It's not really their thing. Um, it's really just like a people uh, paying app. Okay. And, uh, you, and you can accept payments. Um, uh, so it, it's, it's really just for individuals. So I don't think there's any websites or, or anything like that where you can, uh, uh, you know, pay someone in Venmo. But uh, um uh, PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App um, all modified. Well, they didn't do it. The the IRS, the U.S. Um, uh, government, was trying to, you know, get ahead of this rule. They said, um, I think it's I think it's a 1099K, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that you, in the past, you didn't get a 1099K unless you accepted like twenty thousand dollars in payments or more, or like x transaction it was like 200 transactions or some like big number like that um other and if you didn't go above that limit then you didn't have to like report the taxes on that on those dollars so they early last year they said okay starting next year meaning 2023 if you accept over 600 dollars in payments you're going to have to report that as income and you'll be taxed on it so there was a lot of uh uproar from people um, that were legitimately using this not in a making money type way, like people that are like, I have a roommate and that Venmo's me every month for you know rent, utilities, like we might share groceries, sure. something like that. It's just a way for us to send money back and forth to each other. And then the IRS is like, oh, like you'll you'll be able to differentiate that. Yeah, I'm but sure. but but it's like in PayPal, there's a very specific line drawn between payments for goods and services 
and payments that are personal, like for friends and family that should not be you know, taxed for that reason. Uh, Venmo, I believe, has that uh, to avoid uh, the fees. Cash App does not. Um, you send Cash App, there's no fee for either party in Cash App. Where Cash App makes their money, besides a little bit of advertising and a little bit of crypto, is when you want to withdraw that money to your bank account, they're like, do you want this money immediately for like a you know one, two, or three percent charge, depending on the amount, or do you want it in like four days? Kind of similar to what PayPal does. So PayPal does, they make a little bit of money there because anyone in banking can tell you like a banking transfer is done in seconds. So when one of these companies charges you money for it, it's not like it takes them long to do it. And they're like, they're just, they're scheduling the transfer for three days from now. So like three days from now. The mobile game app to like, hey, you want to have a good time? 99 cents, Come back. Come back in three days. They really are. (laughs) They are, they're plants versus zombies tooing you. Um, So yeah, so uh, I, I wanted to take a minute to mention that because for, for me now, trying to you know make some uh, some sales of some decent dollar amounts so so anyway before i get to that they pushed this law back um so they said that um really just very at the last minute or 11th hour um sequel to the seventh guest they were like all right we're going to be pushing this to next year and the reason is because like we wanted like an abundance of transparency and preparation and like really wanted everyone knowing about this so we're gonna continue to tell people and advertise this and we're gonna have you know cash app and venmo and paypal they're gonna send out regular like alerts and warnings to users that are coming close to that threshold or who have gone over it hey make sure you're prepared to you know next year you're gonna get a 1099 for this so the good news is um it doesn't start until next year uh the bad news is i am selling stuff this year so i still have to worry about it so um uh, a part of it is if I'm selling something for a large dollar amount locally, I'm more inclined to ask that person, hey, you know, like, I'm sorry, I know it's a pain. I would really appreciate if you could get cash. Um, and in, in a like, briefcase, yeah, and meet me in yeah. the <laughs> uh, Handcuffed to your wrist, uh, <laughs> preferred. Um, handcuffs optional, you know, depending on how, how you feel about that. But I mean, like, you know, most. I, I would imagine I'm going to run into some people that are like, yeah, man, like, you know, like I can, I can do cash app Venmo, you know, like Facebook payments, whatever. So I do think I'm going to get over that dollar amount, but, uh, it, it is, I don't want to say a concern, but it is a consideration whenever I'm selling something, especially with the big dollar amount. And I'm always so hazy on taxes. Like, uh, like, is it going to be taxed like as income? Is it going to be taxed as additional income? Is it like, because you know how like your bonuses at work are taxed differently. I don't know how much money of the transaction I should be holding on to to be prepared for being taxed on. Right. Um, so that's the piece that I'm like a little bit loose on. So I'd love to uh, get myself a uh, local like CPA or tax attorney and just kind of go over some stuff. But I'm worried that it, since it hasn't happened yet we might not have the answers until it starts happening and people start like, you know, actually getting those things next year. But, um, and I know this is an American law, so I don't know what your situation is up there currently for when you take in like payments, whether it's through PayPal or, or you know, whatever other payment processor, how the, the taxation works up there for that. I like it. I've been out of the selling thing for so long. I'm not actually sure. I know eBay, when I re 
integrated here recently, they do take uh, sales tax into account immediately and factor that right. into your sales. So state sales tax, yes, correct. And Facebook does as well. So they automatically add the sales tax based on my zip code and they collect that and they pay that, which is awesome. Hmm. Um, because if I had to pay sales tax, like, you know, at the end of the month or end of the year, that, that'd be a pain. So the fact that they do that is great. So they're just charging it on an income basis. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm probably throughout the year. Uh, I, I don't, I think you have to request it on, uh, e because you mentioned before eBay does offer like a monthly, you know, like here's your review of like everything that happened in the month. Um, Facebook will only do it if you like check that box on your profile, like, yeah, send me a monthly thing. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm just going to take a look at those monthlies and just kind of like make an estimate based on, well, you know, like maybe I should, you know, keep this amount around just in, because I would hate to, uh, at the end of the year, have a tax bill come in and then owe something and be like, well, crap, you know, so. Sorry, kids, you know, Christmas is going to be leaving yeah. this year. <laughs> well, Daddy sold too many Legos. Thank, thankfully, since the, the, the 1099s and the W-2s have to come by the end of January and then they're due by April, it wouldn't be like, surprise, you owe this money this minute. It would be surprise. Oh, crap. At least you have a few months you know, to buy some right. more. Or sorry to sell some more stuff that you'll then be taxed more on for next year. But yeah, it's I'm, it, it is a real concern of mine because I don't know how much they're going to want to take at the, at the end of the year next year. I'm going to have to look into these other apps and, and see if there's something, if, if Venmo and Cash App aren't common in Canada, see what is, because I'm getting the impression from people that PayPal is the old man thing now and not a lot of people are using that as often anymore. I, I get that. Um, and I don't really get the old man thing a lot from people, but like there's a girl uh, and, and guy that I work with, they're, they're, uh, they're a couple, they're friends with us and they like beer, they like nerdy things and like we've, done things like i'll go to like uh, uh at retro world a uh, canvas quest one of our favorite pin vendors i'll always she's she's really into like you know cutesy like kind of japanese and anime stuff so i'll always get her like an animal crossing pin or something and like i'll get kyle like from um, some place they have a beer he likes I'll, I'll bring him some beer back and uh but we'll it's always like oh yeah like um first time we did something i was like oh yeah like i'll like you want to paypal me and she was like what is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was like what do i you haven't mean? had someone laugh in my face like that but every time i do it now they're like like maybe it's still active i haven't used that in 10 years i'll see if it's still hooked up yeah it's it's and it's it's not something because it's something that i used to use like to pay another individual but no no one like it's all it's a like i wouldn't say 100 it's 95 percent venmo it's three percent apple payments because like some people have that some people don't and it's like really very very little one to two percent cash app but yeah venmo is the ubiquitous people paying each other app down here so i don't know uh what the up there equivalent is and i know there's one that was popular when cash app wasn't a thing in canada and i had to sell stuff um if, if a canadian wanted to join my raffles they'd ping me and they're like hey like i want to join I, I don't have like cash app isn't up here um, is there any chance you would accept Zelle? And I was like, what's Zelle? So, is that like uh, linked uh, to Zellers? 
Yeah, right. So it's um for the Canadian audience, it's Z E L L E, um, and it's it's not its own app. It's like a it's like a wire transfer service that's supported by like official um like companies. So for instance, if I'm logged into my Chase bank account, I can transfer money to any one of the bank accounts. I'm logged into it, and then there's also this secondary option up there. It's like oh, like transfer money with Zelle. And that's the only place I'd ever seen it. So like, you click on that and it's like, yeah, you can send money to anyone anywhere in the world. So it's essentially like a wire transfer thing that's like backed by a financial institution. So they don't operate on their own. It's like a, it's almost like a, like an API, like a language that like multiple banks speak. So you don't have to like pay the bank fees for the, the Zelle transfer. So that's the only one I know of. It's definitely in Canada because it goes through the financial institutions um, but I, yeah, and Zell's, Zell's the one that I never think of until someone's like, Hey, I'm in Canada. Would, would you, would you take Zell? And I think, I think I read somewhere that somebody is getting rid of it. Hang on. I hadn't even thought about that. So Zell, Zell money transfer, uh, Zell pay, how to send, get started, how it works. Founded in 2016. Oh, it's an American company in Arizona, uh, a, uh, United States based digital payments network. Uh, oh, owned by the banks, Bank of America, Truist, Capital One, JP Morgan. So that, so, okay. I didn't realize it was owned by those financial institutions. So it is a way for them to get those transfers from bank account to bank account. I mean, I but what, so, so, that a bit. so the people who, who made you feel like the PayPal was the old man thing, they didn't provide a suggestion at that time. Like, why aren't you using blah, blah, blah. Nope. They were just like, I will see if that still, if I still have the login access to it and kind of stuff. <laughs> and they did. And it worked. And I was happy. Oh, wow. But I wow. got the distinct impression that that was going to be less frequent <laughs> going forward. I'm, I'm curious what, uh, what it is. Oh, and it's fine. I didn't mention this, but, um, uh, I was talking to my uh, guitar teacher, who also happens to be a proud Canadian, and we were chatting uh, about now uh, just the, the joke with like the joke with guitar players is like, um, uh, what should I do? Should I practice guitar? No, I should buy another guitar, right? right. So, um, so I got the guitar rack back there, and I, I mentioned that to him. I was like, yeah, I got the rack because I mean I'm gonna be getting more guitars, right? And he and he kind of chuckled, and he's like. Because I mentioned I got guitars at like the flea market and this and that. And he said, I can't remember if you told me where you live. Like, where are you? Are you? Where are you? Oh, man, I'm in Connecticut. I'm in the States. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm in. Um, uh, he said, I'm in East Coast, too. I'm in, I'm in Canada. And he says, I don't know if you're familiar with Kijiji. And I was <laughs> like, I am because of my Canadian video game collecting friends have uh, explained. It's the, the uh, Canadian uh, Craigslist equivalent. He's like, I, he's like, absolutely. He's like. I'm on Kijiji looking for guitars every single day. <laughs> so I hadn't thought about Kijiji in a while since he, uh, I haven't so, either. I didn't realize it was still active and functional. So, so I guess that no need for the follow-up question. Have you listed anything on Kijiji up there? Nope. nope. <laughs> Did not even bother looking at it. I haven't logged into Kijiji in many, many years. So I, I have, I used to check Craigslist literally every single day for mm -hmm. wait, all different things. I every once in a blue moon, I will remember that Craigslist exists and I'll jump on the phone and kind of like search for something. And I'm like, yeah, there, there, no one's posting anything of value here it, 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 in this area. Anyway, it's all migrated to Facebook Marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think it's the same up here too. All right, anything else you want to add before we close it up? No, yeah, I think we uh, we we kind of, we bounced around a bit. I think we hit on a, a bunch of different things, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think the the good news at the end of all this is we're we're both having some success. We're both uh, you know putting the funds where we want them to go, and uh, it's just it's it's interesting navigating this uh, this current landscape and uh so much different than just a few years ago yeah really is but yeah yeah it's good good chat and i wish you continued luck uh, moving through some of your stuff and once uh, i once i move through uh these silver boxes i don't know so do you you have a guess which one's going to be the last one to go is it going to be jack nicholas or i mean if i had to uh, it, it could go either way, like, because honestly, like, who wants that game? Like, that might be... But also, that's like the only 10 or $15 one, so maybe you'll have I, a higher price one last. So that's the thing. If it was, like, you of 15 years ago buying, you would say poo-poo to that. If it yeah, was give me, me that where in the world's current San Diego and that Lone Ranger, baby. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, I could see the... I could see it both ways because like Castlevania was one of the higher ones and like those like went right away. And, um, and also like the, 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 those are other, another uh, pair that the condition is very, very nice on. So um, pack those up nice and nice and good. So they, they get there in their box protectors, nice and safe. And I could see Lone Ranger as, as the most expensive one going quickly for someone who wants it, you know, in the condition that it's in. I could also kind of see it sitting there, you know, so I don't know. It's uh, I, I will probably by the time we record the next show, I will probably have started listing them individually with shipping on Facebook. So I am going to start with the high dollar ones. And I imagine there's a possibility that I'll, I'll get some questions like, oh, like, are you shipping, you know, any of the other ones yet? You know, like, let me know type deal. So we'll see what happens. And uh, I, I'd be so you got some research. You got your payment processor research. Mm-hmm. you're still trying to figure out how to uh, ship the world of Nintendo sign. That's, that's like a, would be a big dollar item for you. Yep. Yeah. I think I have a buyer for it too. I just, I got to get it to the States, which is uh international, which also adds another wrinkle to that. Yeah. And, and you have no plans in the year to drive to the States, right? No, not to drive. Um, yeah. I'm hoping to maybe fly. But uh, yeah, not to drive. So I'll, I'll, I'll just bring that on the plane with me and sit it on my lap. Well, well that, that's the thing. Like, you know, buy it a seat. <laughs> Less expensive than it's, shipping. It's human size. I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> put put some legs and be like, oh, okay, he's he's going to nap. Yeah. <laughs> like a little time. blankie for him. I've always wondered headphones. for people in Canada who are close enough to the border, um, would it is it enough of a difference money-wise to drive over the border take it to you know the postal service and and ship it for that size of item i absolutely think it would be worth it if you were like within an hour of the border Mm. but uh yeah i don't i like if i can make a trip here in march work like i'm hoping um i'll probably use that as an opportunity to ship you the stuff i've got for you and chris the stuff i got for him i'll just take it with me over the border and then send it for half the price yeah awesome yeah. I, well, I felt I felt bad because I had the uh, the actually the shirt I'm wearing. I had the shirt um, for for you, and I didn't have any imminent shipping plans to send you anything. 
So I sent it to Chris well, because Chris that's before has... I knew you were selling Sewer Shark. You should have waited. A yeah. Minute. <laughs> yeah. I know that's uh that 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 got and that hasn't been listed anywhere besides the Discord yet. So I'm oh. curious how much uh, uh, attention that might get in the coming months. <laughs> but yeah, since I didn't have any, and then Chris had uh, shipping plans to you at some point, and I was like, oh, I'll send it to Chris. And now I'm like, man, if I just held on to it, it could have rode up with Mike's uh, Castlevania. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? You live, you learn. Oh, well. Yeah, I, yeah, like Chris has a bunch of stuff for me every way, too. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, thanks again to our patrons. If you would like to support the show, you can at patreon.com slash collectorcast. Uh, you can come and chat with us on RF Generation. You can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey Polnick and follow Bill at... What's your handle, Bill? Uh, Bill with one L, McGee, M-C-G-E-E. Oh, I feel I thought it was something more complicated than that. Yeah, just our no, names, great, no, yeah. easy. Just Both the names, yeah. And uh, Chris, you can get at CollectorCast on Twitter. Uh, he runs the show account and he kind of uses it as his personal one too. And uh, we will see you guys all next week. <laughs>